Okay. mother has my child that's all that matters good evening everyone the October 24 2023 Loudoun County Planning Commission public hearing will now come to order as is our custom please join me and stand for the Pledge of Allegiance I, I pledge allegiance, allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands one nation under God indivisible Thank you. A couple of administrative announcements on how we're going to work things tonight. Um, pursuant to Code of Virginia Section 2.2-3708.3b and the Planning Commission Remote Participation Policy, Commissioner Marathew has requested to participate in this meeting by electronic communication from a remote location that is not open to the public. Commissioner Marathew has stated that he cannot attend this meeting due to a personal matter and will be joining us from Naples, Florida, which is not open to the public. As required by law, physical quorum of the Planning Commission is present in the boardroom and the Commission has made arrangements for the voice of Commissioner Marathew to be heard by all persons in the boardroom. Commissioner Marathew made this request within the time frame required by policy and the County Attorney has determined that Commissioner Marathew meets the qualifications to participate remotely. The Commission will record in its minutes the specific nature of the personal matter and the location from which Commissioner Marathew participated remotely. For those of us who haven't joined, or those of you who haven't joined us for a public hearing before, let me give you a, a little rundown of how we work these things. Members of the public who wish to comment on any item on the agenda may do so. If you are in the boardroom, please fill out a speaker slip and hand it to the Assistant Deputy Clerk of the Planning Commission at the end of the dais to my left. If you are participating electronically, please call the number on the bottom of your screen. If you signed up to speak after 3.30 today, please confirm your name is on the speaker list as public comment sign-up closes after 12 noon, as indicated on our website. Please indicate your name and the agenda item you wish to address. Each speaker will have three minutes, six minutes if you are speaking on behalf of a civic organization. Written comments may be submitted to the Assistant Deputy Clerk who will make copies for the Planning Commission. The Commission may vote on applications tonight and send its recommendation to the Board of Supervisors or may forward the item to a work session for further consideration before taking a final vote. Our procedures for public hearing are as follows. There will be a 10-minute staff presentation followed by Commissioner's questions to staff. We will remind each Commissioner that tonight each Commissioner will have three minutes to ask questions and we will limit the round of Commission questions to one round. There is a 10-minute applicant presentation when applicable, and the hearing will be open for public comment. Uh, after everyone has had a chance to speak, the hearing will be closed. The applicant and staff will have an opportunity to respond to any public comment. Finally, there will be a motion, deliberation, and a vote by the commission. All right. Do we have, we have the September 26 minutes. Do I have a motion to approve? 
Uh, Madam Chair, I move that the Planning Commission approve the Loudoun County Planning Commission public hearing minutes for September 26, 2023, as presented. A second. Motion is made by Vice Chair Combs, seconded by Commissioner Moderetti. Any changes or comments to the minutes? None. All in favor? Aye. 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 Did we get you in there, Mr. Merrithew? Aye. Thank you. All right. The motion passes. 801 with Mr. Hayes absent. All right, disclosures. Before we get into our legislative items, go ahead and turn your light on if you've got a disclosure. I'll make my way down the uh, down the row. Anybody? 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 Wow. Okay. I'm sorry. I, yeah. Mr. Miller. Uh, yeah, this um, this afternoon I met with um, uh, Chief Pearsall of the um, uh, Philmont um, Volunteer Fire Station, as well as um, Peter West, to um, discuss the application before us tonight. As all. Okay, I have one um, today, October twenty fourth. I met with the team representing the Bay's Dulles Industrial Park ZRTD application before us tonight. That's Morgan Hadlock and Aaron Swiss, along with Walsh, Walsh Colucci. I'm chair for the record I have no disclosures thank you mr. Merrithew all right um, we will go ahead and go right into our public hearing items the first item on our agenda is Legi 2023-0058 Bayes Dulles Industrial Park We are ready when you are. Alrighty, uh, good evening. Uh, my name is Zach Pyle. Tonight I have Bayes Dollars Industrial Park. The subject property is approximately 1.5 acres in the Ashburn Election District, or I mean the uh, Broad Run Election District. It's located south of Moranton Road and east of Powers Court. Um, currently the site is surrounded by other industrial and commercial uses. The applicant uh, wishes to uh, or is requesting a zoning conversion to resume 1.5 acres from the uh, planned development industrial park zoning district under the 72 ordinance to the uh, PDIP zoning district under the revised 1993 zoning ordinance. Um, here's a view of the site. Um, as you can see, uh, access would be from Moran Road. It's currently uh, forested and uh, covered in brush. The site's located in a suburban employment place type, uh, which supports a broad array of employment uses and a recommended FAR 1.0. Uh, 
Uh, the applicant has proffered out permitted uses within the PDIP zoning district that are not compatible with the place type. And some of those include commuter parking lot, accessory dwelling unit, and um, outdoor storage, among others. St uh, staff supports a commission recommendation of approval uh, subject to the proffer statement. Um, and with that, I could take any questions. Okay, thank you, Zach. Do we have questions from the commission? Vice Chair Combs. No, thank you, Madam Chair. Zach, real quickly, uh, it looks like the adjacent parcels are all PDIP. One is split zone PDIP OP. Are they all um, in the revised 93? I know that the property to the immediate um, west and east both are PDIP under the revised. They are, okay. Thank you. Commissioner Barnes. Yes, ma'am, for the staff. Uh, uh, do, do we know what they are going to use it for? Uh, since it's just a, a rezoning request, we didn't get a specific use, and the applicant has uh, indicated that they'll have a, a planned use for the site. So we are changing something, and we don't know what's going there. Uh, it's already PD, it's going to, um, yes and no, it's PDIP right now and under the 72, but they wanted to update it to the revised 93. We don't know what they're going to do there. What There's no plans. What's that? There, there are no plans indicated. They have oh. the plans? They don't have the plans and why they're changing. Anyway, thank you. Commissioner Kirchner. Thank you. Um, I had a question concerning the um, open space and uh, the forested area there, uh, which looks pretty significant to me that it's a kind of mature forested area. Um, were there any opportunities or discussions with the um, applicant to uh, commit to tree save areas, um, particularly those areas where the trees are that will help sequester carbon, filter water, provide wildlife habitat? As part of the, the, the zoning conversion process, that wasn't one of the focuses for staff. However, that'd be a question I think the applicant would be willing to explain okay. more. Okay, great. Thank you. Okay, seeing no other questions from the commission, do we have an applicant presentation this evening? Well, Madam Chair, oh, can I ask Oh, sorry, question? yes, Mr. Merrithew. Uh, I see that the applicant has proffered out certain uses, and one of those uses is contractor service establishment. Did staff ask that to be uh, omitted because of the outdoor storage? Because it seems like it's a logical use in this area. I'm not exactly sure what, uh, why they chose that one, but um, I'd have to check on that. Okay, it, was, it, was it requested by staff or uh, the applicant proposed it? Did no, the, the um, originally the applicant came in asking for all permitted PDIP uses and uh, staff recommended that these select few uses be admitted or not permissible. Okay. Thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you, Commissioner Merrithew. All right, now we'll move over to the applicant presentation. Thank you. While he's getting this up, um, I'm not sure that the Planning Commission has had uh, the opportunity to meet Morgan Hadlock from our firm. Uh, this is Morgan's first uh, solo presentation. I'm sure she's gonna do great, but um, she's been with us for about a year now. Thank you, Zach, and thank you, Erin. Um, 
Good evening, Madam Chair and members of the Planning Commission. Thank you for the opportunity to present before you this evening. My name is Morgan Hadlock. I'm a land use attorney with Walsh Gallucci here in Leesburg, and I have the honor of representing the applicant, Superior Investments, LLC, this evening. With me are my colleague, Aaron Swisshelm, who you are familiar with, Tony Bowers with Superior Investments, and Aaron Bartley with TriTech Engineering. The affidavit for mailing and posting has been submitted. Next slide, please. As Mr. Pyle said, the subject property, which is outlined in yellow and labeled as site on this slide, is a one and a half acre vacant parcel currently located in the Broad Run Election District of Loudoun County and located within the Sterling District per the 2022 map. The property is located south of Moran Road between Powers Court to the west and Pacific Boulevard to the east. Route 28 lies east of the property. The property is currently zoned to the Planned Development Industrial Park Zoning District as governed by the 1972 Loudoun County Zoning Ordinance. It is surrounded by properties that are zoned to the PDIP Zoning District as governed by the 1972, 1993, and revised 1993 Zoning Ordinances. The property is designated as the Suburban Employment Place Type within the Suburban Policy Area by the 2019 Comprehensive Plan. Next slide, please. As noted, the property is zoned PDIP and the industrial character of the surrounding area is reflective of that zoning. Immediately adjacent to the property, there are flex warehouse uses to the east and to the south, a lot with a telecommunications pole directly to the west, and vacant parcels and a data center use to the north across Moran Road. Next slide, please. The applicant is proposing to rezone the property from the PDIP zoning district as governed by the 1972 zoning ordinance to the PDIP zoning district as governed by the revised 1993 zoning ordinance, as may be amended or recodified from time to time. This means that the applicant has agreed that the property will be administered under the zoning ordinance rewrite once it is adopted by the board. The applicant is seeking to rezone the property in order to have access to the expanded use list and more modern use standards that are available in that zoning district under the revised 1993 zoning ordinance. The property is vacant and the applicant is not proposing any new development with this application. Next slide, please. As proposed, the application is consistent with plan policies that encourage property owners to convert properties located within the Route 28 tax district to the current zoning ordinance. Regarding consistency with the place type, um, as Zach mentioned, the applicant has agreed to proffer out certain permitted PDIP uses that staff has identified as inconsistent with the plan's recommendation for the suburban employment place type. Next slide, please. In conclusion, the proposal is consistent with county policy to encourage the conversion of properties located within the, within the Route 28 tax district to the current zoning ordinance. The applicant has worked with staff to ensure that the proposal complies with the vision of the plan and that there are no outstanding issues. For those reasons, the applicant respectfully requests a recommendation of approval. Next slide, please. Thank you for your time this evening, and we're happy to answer any questions that you might have. Thank you. Thank you, Morgan. Does the commission have any questions? Ms. Okay, Commissioner Barnes. Now would you please tell me what are the <laughs> options you have to do there, what kind of usage you will use at that property by changing it? Absolutely. Absolutely. The um, applicant doesn't have a proposed use or layout at this time, um, with the exception of the uh, permitted PDIP uses that we agreed to proffer out. Okay. Um, possible uses would be PDIP uses. Would you tell us? Because they're public hearings, so they can understand what, what we are doing here. Uh, pardon? A public so they can hear what you're thinking about doing. It's a public hearing. 
So tell us what, for their sake. We don't have a use. So, so you don't have what the uses are on this? Why are you changing it? Commissioner Barnes, I think she did answer the question. We uh, have proffered out particular uses, but the applicant would be permitted to develop any other PDIP use on the property. We have not identified a particular use or a layout for the property as part of this application. Commissioner Barnes also too, as a zoning conversion, applicants are not required to disclose the uses that are uh, intended to be developed. That is uh, the process for encouraging no, folks to what convert. Saying, what can be done on it? I'm not talking about what no. they're intending. Any allowable use by permitted use or special exception use by PDIP. Um, Zach does have a, a list of, of general uses if you'd like to know. What's that? Okay. Yeah, if you would like to hit him, you can hit no, some of the highlights from okay, that list. It's okay. Okay, yeah. thank you. Commissioner Kirchner. Thank you. So my question that I asked Zach, I'm going to ask you. <laughs> so um, there's a, you know, great old growth trees there. Uh, we know forests are really important. Um, so have you considered or would consider making some sort of a commitment to a tree save area for whatever future development that you decide is going to happen there? Yes. Um, as the applicant doesn't currently have plans for any development, we don't know what the layout of the property will look like. Um, given that there isn't a layout, it would be very, very difficult to commit to tree save areas at this time. That being said, the property will be administered under the current the zoning ordinance rewrite once it's adopted by the board. So the relevant open space requirements, um, which is 20% currently um, open space for properties within the PDIP zoning district, um, it also provides for a substantial buffering from Moran Road and, um, of course, all the environmental protection standards set forth in ZOR would also apply. Yeah, because it looked like you were adjacent to some um, other, there were some other um, forested areas adjacent to like two sides, so that's what I was interested in. Um, but you don't, the applicant doesn't have, isn't in control of any of those, right? Uh, the applicant owns the parcel directly to the west um, okay. that currently features a telecommunications pole on the property. Okay. Maybe that's something that could be discussed as it goes to the board, because I'd be interested in seeing if there's an opportunity, especially in our suburban area, um, if it was could be done as a part of the, you know, some sort of commitment that would work in as a part of the, you know, the final landscaping open space. Um, Mm -hmm. sort of get ahead of that because a lot of times by the time it comes to us it's maybe too late to do it so mm -hmm. thank you thank you commissioner marathio do you have any questions no i do not thank you madam chair thank you any last last call okay i'm going to go ahead and open the public hearing uh, we do not have any individuals signed up to speak in advance is there anyone present in the room who wants to speak on this particular agenda item Okay, seeing none, do we have anyone participating online for this item? I have no one online for this item. Thank you. All right, last call. All right, the public hearing on this is closed. There's nothing to respond to. Thank you, commissioners. I'd like to entertain a motion, open it up for discussion, any final questions for staff or the applicant? Uh, this is currently in broad run for another couple of months, so I'll go ahead and make that motion. I move the Planning Commission forward Legi 2023-0058, Bayes Dulles Industrial Park, ZRTD 2022-0008, 
to the Board of Supervisors with a recommendation of approval subject to the proffer statement dated September 8th, 2023, and based on the findings for approval provided as attachments one and two to the October 24th, 2023 Planning Commission Public Hearing Staff Report. Second. Motion is made by Chair Frank, seconded by Commissioner Miller. Um, I think we've kind of discussed it. We have a ZRTD in the 28 district, so, um, you know, I wish the folks that are running a business across the street, I wish them continued success. So um, we will go ahead and move this conversion recommendation along. Any other comments or questions? Commissioner Matthew? No, ma'am. Thank you. All right, I do not have a closing. We have a motion on the floor. All those in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? Opposed? The motion carries 801. Commissioner Hayes is absent. Thank you. Congratulations and good luck, Morgan. We'll see you again soon, I'm sure. All right. Item number two. I know nobody's here for this. Legi 2023-0069, Philemont Fire and Rescue Station. I know, Lori, you are queuing up your presentation. We are ready whenever you are. All right, thank you, Chair Frank, fellow commissioners. Again, my name is Lori Ratcliffe Myers with Planning and Zoning, and I'll be presenting Philmont Fire and Rescue Station. The property is 7.03 acres located east of Snickersville Turnpike and south of Philmont Road in the Countryside Residential One Zoning District in the 2011 Blue Ridge 2022 Catoctin Election District. The property is in the Rural Policy Area in the Rural Historic Village Place Type. The applicant is requesting a commission permit to develop a new 18,800 square foot fire and rescue station with associated site infrastructure and improvements. This station will replace the existing Philemont Fire and Rescue Station, which is located a half mile to the northwest. The application also consists of a special exception request to allow a fire and rescue station facility in the CR1 zoning district. A CMPT is required when a public utility or public service facility is constructed to determine if the general location, character, and extent of the proposed use is in substantial accord with the comprehensive plan. Location. The Rural Historic Village place type identifies public facilities, such as a fire and rescue station, as a conditional use within the place type, meaning they are evaluated on a case-by-case -case basis. Staff finds the location of the proposed fire and rescue station is in general conformance with the land use policies of the 2019 general plan and with the land use and design policies of the rural policy area. Character. The 2019 general plan supports the preservation of the character of the villages and their historic structures and sites through the rehabilitation and adaptive reuse of existing buildings. Adaptive reuse of the existing station would be more consistent with plan policy, but staff acknowledges that feasibility studies have been conducted to explore this option and they were deemed not practical. Extent. The place type and fiscal policies of the 2019 general plan support locating fire and rescue facilities 
in accordance with adopted response time goals and at the most strategic point in a proposed service area. Other than the existing and proposed fire station, the closest fire station to the village of Philemont is Aldi Fire Station number seven, located approximately 8.6 miles southwest from the subject parcel, and the Round Hill Fire Station number four, located approximately 6.9 miles to the north. Staff acknowledges the need for public facilities such as fire and rescue stations and their importance in providing safety and welfare to communities. To mitigate the physical impact to the agrarian landscape, the fire and rescue station is set back approximately 222 feet from Snickersville Turnpike. The application proposes to maintain the existing mature vegetation at the perimeter of the parcel and incorporate additional vegetation fronting Snickersville Turnpike, which will assist with blending the building with the surrounding agrarian landscape. The submitted exterior renderings depict a large building that sits on a fieldstone foundation and is clad in vertical board wood siding. Varying roof lines and intersecting blocks help to reduce the perceived mass of the building by dividing the building into smaller pieces as recommended by the Rural Historic Village Design Guidelines. Building materials include fiber cement siding, stone or alternative stone materials, fiber cement or PVC trim, and standing seam metal roof panels. The proposed design for the fire and rescue station includes materials and details that are similar to the agricultural buildings found throughout Philemont. Staff finds no outstanding environmental or heritage resource issues with the applications. The project has been conditioned to provide low impact development BMP measures, an oil and water separator, tree conservation area, invasive species control, the use of native species for landscaping, and a pollinator garden. The application has been conditioned to minimize the visual, environmental, and heritage impacts of the proposed fire and rescue station. Staff supports planning commission approval of the commission permit and a recommendation of approval of the special exception. Staff finds that the general location, character, and extent of the proposed fire and rescue station are consistent with the Loudoun County 2019 general plan and generally consistent with the rural historic village place type. That's in my presentation. Staff is available for questions. Thank, Thank you. Lori. Commissioner Miller. I have a question about whether, is Chief Johnson staff or applicant in this particular application? Applicant. And I, I will hold, okay. my, hold my questions for <laughs> I, Right, yeah, yeah, okay. Um, Commissioner Kirchner. Just a quick question on transportation. Um, the transportation studies show no issues, right? Correct. Okay. Commissioner Moderetti. Um, Lori, um, I heard that feasibility studies were done those were shared with the community and been discussed with everyone else? From my understanding, correct. They were presented to the Board of Supervisors. There was, um, again, two of them. The first feasibility study had four different options to look at in regards to either rehabilitating the building, removing it completely and rebuilding it, um, and a couple of other options, and none of those were deemed feasible. And then there was a second study done just com, um, recently in 2023. Um, there was a, um, a plan presented by, I believe his name was Mr. Ridge, and there were two different options. And again, a feasible, 
feasibility study was completed looking at both of those options and again it just did not meet the requirements for the fire station and so was deemed not feasible okay and and all this stages um, the residents of the area was involved the community community meetings were planned and all those things they, they they were public meetings held on both feasibility studies so I, I don't know if the if the feasibility studies were actually provided to the community, but being a being that they were presented at a public hearing, they would be available. Thank you. <laughs> okay, um, we're calling in the house, Commissioner Vance. Yes. Uh, yeah, on the uh, feasibility study, um, is there some elaboration, and maybe maybe that will come from the applicant on the requirements, the actual requirements, uh, are such that there's no possible expansion of the existing facility to meet what is required to serve the need in that, in that part of the county. I, I believe that is correct, but I will defer to the applicant to discuss exactly what was um, reviewed and what they found was not deemed applicable or viable for their new station. But to your point, Commissioner Vance, there are service standards by the fire department uh, that are Correct. applied to each site. And that was part of the determination was that the minimum service requirements necessary, I guess those, those standards are adopted by the fiscal impact committee. Um, and those could be further explained in the applicant's presentation. Yep. So. Okay, great. Commissioner Marathi, do you have any questions for staff? No, I have questions for the applicant. Thank you. Wonderful. Noted. Vice Chair Combs. Uh, thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, Lori, is this um, an application that the county's Heritage Commission took up at all? Do we know whether that was ever part of their purview? I, I, I don't know that. Um, I'd have to find out for you. I'm not sure. Okay. I'm asking more out of a place of just yeah. your curiosity. Yeah. We've not see, received any correspondence yeah. from them. Okay. So. Thank you. Okay, I do have one question, Lori. Um, I don't know if the feasibility studies got into this or if this is a future study, but do we know if this is approved and moved forward on? Do we know what happens to the existing station? Again, I'll defer to the applicant. I think there's um, maybe some talk what would happen or possibly, but I, I'm not okay. in those conversations. Yeah. All right, thank you. Okay. We will go ahead and uh, since we all have some applicant questions, we'll just go ahead and move over to the applicant. Good evening. Thank you, good evening, commissioners. So while Lori pulls up our presentation, I'll just get started. So thank you for the opportunity to discuss this crucial project for the Philemont community and surrounding areas. My name is Rob Ballinger with the Department of Transportation and Capital Infrastructure. With me here tonight are Paul Erickson, principal at FGM Architects, Luke Fetcho, civil engineer with Timmons Group, and System Chief Keith Johnson of the Loudoun County Combined Fire and Rescue Department. Next slide, please, Lori. Our presentation tonight will focus on several elements of the design. We'll start by discussing the goals of this project and then provide you with an overview of the project's location within Philemont. Next, we'll delve into the aesthetics of the design. Then we'll share details about our community outreach efforts, followed by a review of the architectural site plan and the exterior design. We'll then briefly discuss the special exception conditions, followed by a wrap-up by Chief Johnson. Next slide, please. Our primary objective 
to design is design and construct a new fire and rescue station to serve as a replacement for the current Philemont station, which will be staffed 24 hours a day, seven days a week. This commitment to round-the-clock service ensures the safety and well-being of our community. The new station will be built on a seven-acre site located along Snickersville Turnpike that is currently owned by the Philemont Volunteer Fire Company and will be transferred to the county. As you'll see in the following slides, we're fully committed to ensuring that the new station is seamlessly integrated into the rural setting of Philemont. With this next slide, I'll turn things over to Paul. Uh, thank you, Rob. Next, please. After an initial uh, thorough programming exercise with the fire department to establish the needs for the, for the station, we focused on two primary goals for the project. One, to provide a facility that will look forward to the future, incorporating trends in the fire and rescue uh, industry, something that will serve the staff of the fire services and the community for the next 50 to 75 years, and to do so in such a discreet and respectful way for the property as to honor uh, the character of the site. This aerial view that you see uh, gives an overview of the location of the existing station on the left-hand side and the new proposed site uh, to the right on Snickersville Turnpike. You'll see that the site is largely an open field surrounded by um, vegetation on the property lines. Next, please. One of the key aspects was to try to develop a, a design response that was appropriate for this specific community. We were very careful in surveying the surrounding community, taking notice of the building forms, the materials, the way that the structures are sited uh, in the landscape, and to try to fully understand the unique uh, architectural heritage that's reflected in the Philemont area. These features have served as inspiration for the building design, siting, and uh, development. Next, please. As was alluded uh, a short while ago, the design team met with the community in a public open house on December 8th, 2022, to solicit input. The design was still in a state of development at the time, and we offered a series of alternate ideas, features, and components, solicited the input from the community on such things as building features, materials, and colors, and then incorporated the preferences in the finished design that's being presented tonight. Next, please. Again, trying to develop the site as respectfully as possible, we determined that we would reuse the two existing site entrances uh, for the new uh, configuration. Next, please. We also located the building in the center of the site, which is essentially an open pasture with softly rolling topography. We did this so that the building was as far from the adjacent property lines as possible. By placing it in the middle, we were also able to secure the front portion of the site for its use as a septic field, which was revealed by our investigations as the optimal location for it. The building is canted slightly as a way to provide oblique views from Snickersville Turnpike as a way to soften its presence and to integrate it with the landscape. And we also placed it here as a way to do so by honoring the natural topography and doing as little disruption to that topography as possible. Next, please. As we said, the building was rotated, and what you see here is the 
rectangular area highlights the residential living quarters of the station. That piece is pulled forward so that it creates the prominent impression to the public and it also is used to screen the operational portions of the site that are to the rear. Other aspects of the, uh, the site, including crew parking and service areas that are exterior, are to the rear, likewise being screened by the building itself from public view. Next, please. Um, we propose to enhance the existing uh, vegetation that's around the perimeter that would be protected and preserved but we would also provide strategically located additional landscaping that would be placed to reduce any of the glare and the impact of noise on the adjacent neighborhoods. We're also concerned with environmental quality of uh, water and uh, runoff from the site. So oil grit separators are being proposed, two of them, one that handles the surface water from the apron and the fuel pump, the other from the interior apparatus bays so that that water will be treated before it's released to the septic field or the stormwater management areas. Next, please. Some of the views that you've already seen from the staff report, this is Snickersville Turnpike looking to the southeast with the station, as you can see, to the left, pushed back from the road, a large open pasture or a front yard where the septic field would be located. And next, please. The view in the other direction looking towards the northwest from Snickersville Turnpike. Again, the building pushed back discreetly so that it's nestled into the landscape um, and broken into a series of smaller masses so that it can be articulated in a tasteful manner. Next, please. As staff indicated, the materials employ a beige fieldstone base, vertical wood siding with a weathered wood sort of character standing seam metal roof in green uh, color, and then an articulated building mass using traditional features like the ventilators and dormers and porches to break the scale and tie it to the architectural heritage in this community. Next, please. Won't read these details, but these are the uh, specs conditions that were recommended by staff. We fully agree and accept and incorporate all of these conditions. Luke Fetcho, uh, our civil engineer, is available to answer questions if you have any in greater detail. Next, please. I'd like to turn this over to Chief Johnson for closing comments. Thank you. As chief of our combined fire and rescue system, I have been involved with this um, project to utilize the seven-acre Philmont Volunteer Fire Department property to construct a new station since its exception. Beginning in as early as 2015, the, new, the, the need for a new modern, efficient, and safe facility that meets the needs of the community and our fire and rescue personnel has been discussed. Over the years, many options have been explored to include an optimal search area for a new Philemont fire station, but the decision to utilize the proposed parcel has involved many factors to include our fire and rescue station design criteria, optimal placement of the station with consideration for response times to the Philemont and surrounding communities, available parcels within the designated search area, the safety of our fire and EMS personnel and the Philemont community. As fire and rescue chief, I, main two ma I maintain two main considerations regarding this project. One, what will provide the most efficient response for fire and rescue response to the citizens and visitors of the Philemont community? And second, 
what will provide the greatest degree of health and safety for the men and women that provide this service each and every day, 24 hours per day. It is imperative that this new station with its proposed features be placed in, this, in service in the earliest possible period of time. In closing, I will leave you with two, a few facts regarding of how this station will provide the, for the protection of our community and our fire and rescue personnel. One, occupational cancer is the leading cause of line of duty deaths in our fire service with nearly 75% of those dying of occupational cancer. This station will employ many new features that will provide for the health and safety of our members. Flashover usually occurs within five to eight minutes from the appearance of flames in a typical furnished home. Flashover is when gases and other materials ignite, which in, in turn ignites everything in the room and is not survivable. And finally, cardiac arrest and survival chances fall by seven to 10% for every minute between a person's collapse and defibrillation. Cardiac defibrillation is recommended within five minutes of cardiac arrest in order to survive. These are important facts that we have considered in our decision to construct a new fire and rescue station in the proposed location. Thank you all for your time and we remain available for questions. Thank you. Marchant. Thank you, Madam Chair. One response I misspoke earlier, we did not receive direct comments from the Heritage Commission on this application, but they did send a letter to the Board of Supervisors in, on September 19th of this year. Uh, recommending that the, the board consider adaptive reuse of the existing fire station versus the new station that's being proposed. So I wanted to correct my earlier statement. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate the clarification. Uh, Commissioner Miller. Thank you. Um, Chief, the current station um, shares, not shares, but adjoins the, um, the Philmont Community Center. And I understand that the community center has um, privileges to park on the fire station's property. Um, your closing talked about response times. Has there been incidents where um, the parking, because the community center has, has delayed response times to, um, to calls in the service area? I'm not a, you are correct in your assumption and your statement about the parking. We do share uh, common parking areas with the community center. I'm not aware of any specific delays. However, um, when we respond on a call, obviously time is of the essence for the reasons I stated. Um, in this, in this the current facility where we are today, um, staff has to be extremely um, aware and vulnerable to citizens that are crossing their parking lot. Um, as proposed on the new site, we provide entrances for fire and rescue staff and visitors and a separate entrance and exit for fire department response. We try not to mix the two. Um, having fire and rescue apparatus leave on an emergency response with lights and sirens is not conducive to children and families walking across to get to a, uh, a common um, community center. So I'm not aware of any specific close calls, but certainly I'm not out there every day um, and I don't believe anybody has been struck, but that is a common um, concern among you our staff. You at least have to look for it and take your time. And if that's 30 seconds, that can reduce the risk of survival. Absolutely. By a couple of, okay. Absolutely. Um, the size and scope of the station being proposed, is it, is it possible even to, if, you, if it shrunk by one bay, would, would the station then not be truly fully operational in the means and the best practices of, of the county? In other words, 
is what is being proposed to be built essentially the minimum that you look for in a new station? Yes, 18,500 square feet to, <clears throat> excuse me, 19,000 is our standard uh, according to our design criteria within Fire and Rescue to meet our programmatic needs. Um, some of the stations we're building now, such as the one under construction in Aldi, uh, the one proposed uh, in the planning process for Leesburg South, those are in excess of 20 to 24,000 square feet. <clears throat> the new station around Hill is roughly about the same size. So 18 and a half to 19 is our, is our smallest design criteria footprint that's consistent to what we just built in Luckett's um, with that size out, out in that station. And, and the apparatus size, the four bays, is what is needed to run the frontline apparatus out of that facility um, and, and have room for reserve apparatus and other, other equipment. And one final question, if I may. Um, on the, the site, proposed site, there's a uh, pond, uh, I guess, is, is that a, considered a dry hydrant? Or yes. Pond, that I believe has, stores 200,000 gallons of water, or some outrageous number, uh, which I believe is used to fill the, um, the I guess, the pumper trucks. Um, if this property, if we never had, if, if if the volunteer company sold this property and someone took that um, water source away, how does that impact our ability to fight fires? Absolutely. G great question. As you know, uh, this community has no domestic water supply system, so uh, water is needed to put out a fire. We all agree to that. Um, we maintain a tanker at this facility that carries 3,000 gallons of water, which uh, when our, when our nozzles flow 100 to 200 gallons a minute, uh, that doesn't last very long. Um, this pond is used for fire protection in the region. It provides for an ISO rating that can and will reduce insurance rates. We depend on that water supply. Um, Chief Pearsall is here from the uh, Philemont Department and can speak to when that was installed and when that pond was put in in the dry hydrant. However, that is used for emergency response. Um, it is also used to refill our pumpers. Uh, we do not fill it from the domestic well that is on site. Uh, that's very clear to us. Um, and that is used for fire protection in the community, and it has been used for training as well. We have to train to be able to, you know, uh, draft water out of a static water supply and train with that for our new drivers and things. And so. As an aside, or further on, filling tankers there is not just for the benefit of the 42 square miles of the Philmont service area, it's for the benefit of any service that the that Loudoun County may need for firefighting or beyond the beyond our borders, correct? Absolutely. As you heard in the staff presentation, uh, the next closest fire station is Aldi, Round Hill. I would add that Percival would probably be the, the fourth uh, station that's included. A normal house fire response gets five engines, two trucks, a heavy rescue, an EMS unit, a safety officer, a battalion chief, and an EMS supervisor. That's what comes on any house fire response, no matter how big or small, and we can adjust up from there. So all those engines come to that community, meaning that Philemont will go serve the other surrounding communities. It's not just what they serve in their individual district. It's Philemont goes and assists Round Hill and all the, we are one combined system. Thank you, Chief, I appreciate it. Thank you. Commissioner Moderetti. Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, Chief, I have another, in the, in the same lines though, um, I, I understand the concerns about the apparatus, the new apparatus fitting in the old buildings, um, but in terms of the staffing levels, are you at capacity right now um, in the old building? And the second part is, um, I heard the way you guys are designing it is for the next 50 to 75 years, right? Uh, 
So are you expecting, what, what the growth projection? Are you expecting a lot of additional people you hiring or um, expecting a lot more um, usage of the new fire station? I just I want to list, uh, hear that. Sure, right, and right now we staff an, an engine, a fire engine with the hose and ladders um, full time. That is currently staffed with three people. We look to increase that staffing to four on all of our engine companies throughout Loudoun County. All new facilities that we build, we ask the Board of Supervisors to provide an additional FTE for four people. We provide a tanker, which is a, a single person on that tanker, um, 24 hours a day to drive that tanker. They're, they're a single response. We do not have an EMS unit in Philemont. Uh, it's the only station in the county other than Leesburg Fire because they have Loudoun Rescue. It's the only station that we do not have a EMS unit there. Uh, on occasion, we do staff it if we have an extra person, but we do not have routine staff. That would be an ask when this station was built to provide, we would ask our Board of Supervisors to increase our staffing at that station to provide a 24-hour EMS unit. <clears throat> Excuse me for the reasons I identified in my, in my closing remarks. So uh, you're talking uh, four, five, six, seven people um, at what is proposed to be there. And to answer your question about being maxed out, yes, we are absolutely at our current site, um, our current building. Uh, obviously, there was a proposal to renovate and add an addition. But if your, your question is about the current site, we absolutely uh, cannot support any more staff there. And the second part about the projections, I mean, 50 to 75 years, do you go even that long to project um, the, how the service levels need to be improved? Do you look into that, that kind of a future? So when, you, when they mentioned 50 to 75 years, I think that's the DTCI uh, standard for building the county buildings. 50 years, obviously, that we don't construct buildings any less. Um, I, you know, I think that staffing, I don't think there's plans to increase, uh, certainly you all would know better than me about the, the growth for the Philmont area, but I think what's projected for the 50 to 75 years with the current growth, um, I think that would serve adequate of what, we're, we're, what I just mentioned. That, that's the same reason because that's being rural area, I don't expect too much development. That's why I asked that question. Okay. Thank, Thank you. you. Commissioner Burns. Thank you. Uh, Chief, uh, uh, you are using uh, water from the old site because there is a ditch or tank down in the ground. That's where you get the water. Where would you be getting the water in your new facility? So, so today they get water from our proposed site. There's a there's a pond on site to, on our current site or our new site today uh -huh. that the trucks come down from the existing station but that's where to they, fill out there. They, they get the water. Yes. Okay, so it's big enough to support you for 75 years. It, it is adequate for for the needs. Yes, sir. Yeah. Okay, that's what I'm talking about. So, but there's no place in the old facility for water. That's correct. The, the, at the old facility, they come down to our new site to get, the water. To, to get water from that pond. But they, there's no place in where it is now. That's correct. So the, for water, they come there anyway. Yes, sir. Okay. I, I might add just yeah. one, one thought. There's, there's the fire suppression water that we're talking about in the apparatus, and then there's domestic water that's used in the building. Uh -huh. Both of the sites have wells for domestic for the, water purposes. For the, for yes. The, each site has a domestic well, and there would be a storage tank for domestic use and also a, a storage tank for fire suppression okay. systems in the building. What, what are you going to do with the old building? Are you going to give it to the uh, village? 
uh, that they can have it. Uh, 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 so since they can, they're parking there now or whatever, you can sell it for a minimal, small amount to so them so they can keep us parking there. Commissioner Morris, uh, um, Chief Pearsall, uh, we do not own that in Loudoun County. Uh, does not own that building that is owned by the Philemont Volunteer Fire Department. And I do know that uh, Chief Pearsall uh, is here tonight to speak, and that would be a perfect question for uh, him. And if you'd like him to answer that question, I'm sh it's up to staff whether you want him to come forward. But uh, I would not be want to speak on his behalf of what they intend to do with the old building. It would be nice to hear. Uh, if Chief Pearsall could come to one of the podiums, I think that would be helpful yeah. uh, information to have. The Philmont Volunteer Fire Department Board of Directors some time ago uh, has been very open and transparent that the plan for the existing station is actually to give it back to the community as a community center, community facility, community resource. Uh, as noted, it's adjacent to the existing community center, the Philmont Community Center, and the issue with parking has always been one with response and things of that nature. And I am aware at my level of response times that have been delayed due to trying to get out of that parking lot with a responding fire truck. So the goal with the existing building would be to give it back to the community center. Um, as early as I think it was the September 2020 meeting we had at Woodgrove that was pronounced that we would do that. I mean, we see it as a significant use or, uh, resource for the community for after school activities. You could take the bays, make them basketball courts, ping pong tables. You could use the upper hall for yoga classes, you can use the kitchen for kitchen, uh, for cooking classes. There's a lot of use for that existing station within the community. We've had members ask, would that building have a gym? And the answer is, if you want a gym in it, we will put a gym in it. And that way the community members don't need to go to Percival, Round Hill, wherever to use facilities and resources such as that. So you're, you're telling us that you're gonna give it to the community, the place? Yes. Okay, thank you. Commissioner Vance. Uh, yes. Uh, first, I want to thank the Philemont Department for responding to to uh, fires in Round Hill last week, and and I know you've been out for fires in our area in Hillsboro, and uh, so you know, thank you all, thank you all for you know providing uh, that kind of mutual support across the county. It's really uh, really beneficial. Um, you know, I think I I, I just want to. Kind of at least explore and put to rest that uh, expansion within the existing footprint and and the adding addition to the existing facility um, is not just not practical but it's not possible so <clears throat> I don't know if you could elaborate a little bit on the specifics that uh, you know are are impeding any kind of expansion of that existing property uh, I, you know I think that would be beneficial to to all of us to, to understand that yes commissioner I, I think Scott Warrist our deputy director with Department of Transportation and Capital Infrastructure is here to answer those questions okay. Great, thank yes. you. Yes, um, so we did the two feasibility studies to look at, at the program that was described and that we were, we're putting onto the new site of whether it could fit into the existing building by expansion. And, and with those two, um, two scenarios, we, we 
you, you can't fit the entire program and have the community center parking and the recycling center there and all of that and have it fit for, for, for the station to work. Yeah, so concessions would need to be made if we were to keep anything on that site. And, and I'll note that the county does not, I'll re reiterate, the county does not own that property. So even if we wanted to, we would not be able to build on that site without some sort of an agreement. And, and the program being all, all of the facilities that would be contained in, in this station, the entire, every aspect of it. Yeah, yeah. The layout as well. The, the layout and, and, and what we have proposed on the new site is our ideal and, and more standard typical layout that would not be able to be achieved in the existing location with an expansion. Okay. Uh, and when we talked about response time, that's negating the fact that there might be a, a car parked or there might be people in the area. Is the response time improved from this site or or not. I mean, it, there's the current site has it's out on two two roadways that I see, and I just want to clarify if if that is the case, it's improved or it's the same or it's. Thank you. Different. So the response times would basically stay the same. They're really just a mile apart. So that's our goal. We, we think the Philemont Fire Station is adequately placed in the area as it is. We did the analysis, uh, DTCI did a full analysis of the search area back in 2020. Uh, that report was made available. And we, we feel that the fire station is in the general location it should be, um, which is why we want to stay close to where we, we are today. Um, the response times are not driven or made up by me as chief. We respond to National Fire Protection Association standards, and that standard is 1710, and our operational service plan, which was approved by our Board of Supervisors. That dictates the response times that we should have for fires in our community and cardiac arrest, which is why I mentioned those uh, facts earlier um, in, my, in my summary. Okay, all right, thank you. Commissioner, Commissioner Kirchner. Thank you. Um, so I have a question about, um, the, you talked about this for the chief and then I think you're gonna go to the uh, others. Uh, you talked about the standard design that this building is, so you're saying for fire stations are all about, there's a standard size, right? And this matches that, I think it was 18,000 whatever feet. So if you were to build one like in the suburban area, that would be, would, that's, what you would, that's what you would put in? That's correct, that, that is our goal. Um, we, we, you may have seen in the written correspondence that we, we do desire a single level fire station. Well, that's not mandatory. The reason for a single level fire station is we don't have to transverse a, a steep staircase to get to the apparatus. Right. Seconds matter when it comes to, and again, it's why I mentioned the cardiac arrest. We do not desire to uh, transfer from a second, a second floor to a first floor. Right. Now saying that, we, are, we just opened a new Sterling Park fire station in Sterling Park. That is a two-story fire station, but we were restricted by a, a piece of land that was uh, extremely small um, to be able to build on, less than two acres, I believe it was. Mm -hmm. and, and again, we had to rebuild on site. So while it was not desirable, that was our only option in that Sterling area. And we did have to acquire additional land to, to do parking in that area. Okay, no, I just was, thank you, that's, that's really okay. helpful. I just wanted to understand, but that, that size, that's, so that matches the population that you're, that you're gonna be serving. Absolutely. So I'm guessing that with the population you have, or the, the geography you have here is going to be much larger than, for example, Sterling Park because there's much higher density in Sterling Park than there is here or ever will be in Philmont area. And, 
and often when you probably see applicants come across your desk, especially for county facilities, whether you build a, a parks and rec station, a pool, community center, that's based on population. Our, our facilities that we build in fire and rescue are not based on population or density of the community. It's based on solely on response time, not solely, but mostly on response time. Because us, again, we're, we, we tried to abide by those national standards. It's in our service plan approved by the board, and that's our goal is to get to your location within those periods of time that I okay. mentioned. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So my, now, quickly, I have two, two questions. What's the silo for? That's a water storage tank for the domestic and for the fire suppression water sources. Okay. And then the, the second question I have is, um, it looks like you've got a really expansive lawn area. Um, and uh, I'd like to know if you discussed or considered, uh, instead of putting in lawn, uh, why not put in a meadow? Why not do some re reforestation? You know, if there's any place in the county that that is appropriate for, I think you know this rural area could could really use it and be uh, serving the environment very well. Yeah. So if you're referring to the front yard of the station, that's where the septic field is located. Mm -hmm. So we've got the primary field, the reserve field, and we also, because of the slope of the land have some stormwater management facilities that are also located in the lower portion of that front area. Um, the current site is essentially a large meadow right now, which we've attempted to maintain. So that's the, the reasoning behind what you saw. So you will be keeping it as a meadow and not doing a, a lawn, a mowed turf? Yes, it's, it's open uh, field area. It's trying to be undisturbed in the, the front area to be um, effective as the septic field. Mm -hmm. And then the stormwater pond itself obviously is meeting the, the county standards for the design of the facility. All right. Okay. Thank you. Commissioner Matthew, do you have any questions? I do. I, I just want to want to piggyback on Commissioner Matarelli's questions in terms of the, the size. You're, you're building a facility near where I live in Lovettsville, that's the same size, perhaps slightly bigger. But is the model that, is that size driven by facilities you need on site or is it driven by manpower? What is, what is driving the size of these, these um, facilities and why, why is it that they are basically a template? Although I will say, I think you've certainly improved the design for this particular site, uh, perhaps based on the Aldi discussions from a couple of years ago, but uh, um, what's driving the size of this facility? Is it current, lack of current facilities that you need or is it projected demand in the future? I'll start off asking, answering that. It's, it's based on our programmatic design, obviously for all the reasons that we have, um, whether it be showers, locker rooms, office space, kitchen, all the requirements that we have for a 24-hour facility where our people not only uh, uh, work, but they live and they eat and they, and they rest and they, they 
work out and things of that nature that they're required to do on duty. Um, so obviously it is based on the number of people. As I mentioned earlier, the station that we're building at proposed in Leesburg South is in excess of, of I believe it's, I don't have it right in front of me, but 24,000 square feet of that nature. So we're certainly not proposing that. There's a lot more people that work proposed at that Leesburg South station. Um, and the Aldi station is going to have five bays to accommodate some swift water assets that we have, boats and things of that nature in that area. So again, this is the smallest that meets our programmatic design. I will offer, and again, the current facility, you know, there's been questions tonight about the need for a fire station, and we've been asked that question before. I will offer that the current station doesn't even have uh, women's facilities. It does not have a dedicated locker room. Uh, can you imagine going to a gym and getting changed, asked to be changed in the hallway? All we have is small bathrooms that folks are uh, required to get changed. It's the only station that we have that doesn't have some type of locker room. Um, so our folks are, are not even, and we don't have women's facilities. A large number of my workforce um, has changed over the years. Uh, we have a large number of women firefighters that do not have a dedicated changing space and, and, and locker room to be able to change in, in this current facility. Chief, I, I might add as the architects, one of the ways we think about this is the nature of the calls that need to be responded to in the first due area and the type of equipment that's necessary to respond, the types of apparatus that's necessary to respond and to be able to put into service. That serves as the basis for the apparatus, the number of apparatus bays, the sizes of the apparatus bays, and then the staff necessary to put those pieces of service uh, equipment into service. Thank you. Thank and I'll just, you. And I'll just oh, add just one follow-up that, um, you know, we have heard, and it was mentioned not that long ago to me, that we were going to increase the size of the apparatus that's going to the new station. That is absolutely not true. The same apparatus that's there today will go, which includes, again, I, I failed to mention earlier when I mentioned the um, tanker and the engine, there is a brush unit there, obviously, for obvious reasons that we respond to a number of wildland fires in that area, and we need mobile apparatus. So besides the tanker and the engine and a proposed EMS unit, there is a current brush unit on site, and that is not fully staffed. That that is cross-staffed with another unit. Okay, thank you. Was, what I read in the, I believe in the documentation is that, and you mentioned earlier this evening, seven staff full-time, or, and then I read in the documentation, maybe 15 staff currently, but then the, the facility is designed for 35 staff, and I'm curious about what drives an increase in staffing like that which is almost doubling or tripling the, the staffing. So, Commissioner, I think what you'll be referring to, so when I say there's seven staff that work there for, there's seven staff that work there, remember we have three ships. We work 24 hours a day, so we have an A shift, B shift, and a C shift. So there are mm -hmm. 21 people assigned to that station, each needing their own locker room, their, their own locker, obviously, for personal belongings and changing of clothes. We don't wear our uniforms home. Um, they would need personal protective lockers for our, our gear that we carry, um, our structural firefighting gear. So when, I, when you look at the staff, um, I, I don't know exactly where the 35 number came from off the top of my head, but there are certainly, there will be on day one, uh, upwards of 20 people assigned to that location, each needing their own separate lockers and PPE facilities to store their, store their gear and, and, and firefighting items. Sure, so seven on site at any time, basically. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I was curious about the, the my, my one issue I hope we'll get a chance to talk about later on perhaps is 
the siting of the building on the site. I tend to disagree with the concept of moving it back away from the road. Uh, it then becomes disjointed and separate from the facility. Now, is the location based primarily due to the septic and, and drain uh, stormwater drainage, uh, the topography of the site? Is that why you located in the central area? I, I can take that one. Um, the by using the ex existing entrances on the site, the eastern entrance is about 10 feet higher uh, in vertical elevation than the western entrance. So in order to utilize both of those and have them come up to the finished floor of the building, we needed to push the building back far enough away from the road that we would have reasonable slopes on those um, entry drives from Snickersville, Snickersville's turnpike to the uh, the apron in the building itself. Well, I, I read, understand Lovisville does not have two entrances, so I was just curious what, what was driving it. I, Disagree, as I said, with the idea of pushing it behind the residents. I think it needs to be part of the community. It needs to be closer to the street, but that's a discussion we can have later on. Uh, finally, I understand the, the volunteers have owned this property since the 60s. Is that right? Yeah, I'm not sure how long they've owned the property, but yes, it's it's been a long time. Something... And people the in the correspondence I've been seeing today are referring it to a public park, referring to it as the you know, a public space. Is that is this site programmed as part of the county's park system, a recreation system? No, and sir, it is not. not. Uh, is there some agreement with the community about using this site for recreation? I don't believe it's been used for any recreation in many years, but. Perhaps Chief Peepsall would, would expand on that. Yes, please. So the property in question was purchased in the 1966 timeframe. Uh, if you look at the deed, um, and has been used uh, for many events in the 70s and 80s uh, for a number of different community activities. One primary activity was a horse show that was held for many years. Um, that horse show actually up until about 2015 was run primarily by the fire department. In 2015, the fire department decided to no longer hold the horse show and two community family members came to us and asked us if they could continue to run the horse show. They did for up until 2019, at which case they then decided they no longer wish to do that. And since 2019, there's not been any use for that property. I've been a member for 26 years. So in 1997, I joined. I only remember one event a year being held on that property. Okay, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Uh, Vice, Vice Chair, oh, sorry. Commissioner Merrithew, did you have anything else? No, no I, uh, if we go to work session on this, I'd like to understand more about the uh, the types of calls, the calls per day, that sort of thing, and any forecasting that's been done for the area, given that it's a uh, concert, uh, historic village and given it's in the midst of the rural area, uh, I need to understand what, what the projections are for future years going forward. But at this point, I, I have no more questions. Thank you. Thank you. Vice Chair Combs. Uh, thank you, Madam Chair, and thank you, Commissioner Merithew. That was my exact question. Um, 
I'm wondering if we can dig in a little bit to the extent of the the need in, in the community. Do we, in, if you don't have the data right now, that that's fine, um, but I just want to get the questions out there. Do we know um, how many calls um, the station um, responds to in a, let's say, a given year? I, I don't have the numbers right in front of me. Uh, um, and, and if, if you don't have them, then sure. we'll have to go find them. I'm curious also as, as to whether. Yeah, I could give you so, the numbers if you wish. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Have them. Just consider yourself with an open invitation. <laughs> yeah. if, if you need, if you need <laughs> to come up to answer a question, no room by all here means. For me, though. Yeah. Um, so we run between 360 and 380 calls a year of varying degrees. We run structure fires, we run large brush fires. Uh, cardiac arrest, trouble breathing, fall from horses. Uh, being an equine area, it's actually, we have some of the more unique calls where we've had um, equine uh, individuals fall from a horse two miles in. And another piece of uh, apparatus we actually have is like a pickup truck. It's called a serve special uh, uh, rescue vehicle that we will use to go in and get that, that individual, that patient. So the calls are very typical um, in terms of the, the structure fires, cardiac arrests, um, so on and so forth. In my time, to give you an idea, in my time of 26 years there, I've run over 30 cardiac arrest calls. And a little bit of pat on my back, just recently re received a walking heart award for one of those calls, which means the person was saved, which was phenomenal for out there. Our response times, we, we travel long distances. And that's, again, critical why Philemont Fire Department is where it's located. Thank you, Chief Pearsall. Do we have a sense of whether that 360 to 380 calls a year, has that, has that, uh, that number grown over the years? Is it pretty static? Yes, it has. I mean, it has not changed a lot. I, would, I was looking at the statistics earlier today, thinking there actually might be a question of that nature. Um, and I was looking at our 2013 strategic plan which states that there would be a, uh, that this horseshoe grounds would be set aside for the relocation of a station if ever needed. But to answer your question, um, we were having between 310 and 315 calls in the 2013 timeframe. So the community has grown. We've actually exceeded over 400 calls on several years because we were running a paramedic out of our station. One of our volunteers was a paramedic and therefore we were <clears throat> having more calls just because of that fact. Okay, thank you, Chief Pearsall. Uh, Chief Johnson, you had mentioned, a, 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 I think it was Sterling Park, there's a new facility there that's a two-story. Um, is that facility, is that a programmatic design, that one? No, sir. There, there were a lot of concessions made. Uh, I have um, Battalion Chief Cooper, Josh Cooper, who was instrumental in that. There were a lot of concessions made because of the size of the of the lot there. Um, so it is not consistent with our current design manual. That parcel of land was owned by, again, the Volunteer Corporation in Sterling. It was entered into a leaseback agreement with the county, a, a long, long process to get where we are today um, with that. So it does not meet our programmatic design, but that's all we had at that point in time when that project was started back in the in at least the 2014, 2015 era. Oh, okay, but similar to what we have here, uh, roughly two acres owned by the, the local volunteer. 
outfit. Correct, the land was. Okay. And I just wanted, to, if I can, Vice Chair Combs, add to a little bit of what Chief Pearsall said. And, and often we hear that, right? It's a slow station. It is one of our slowest stations, right? Uh, call volume wise. But I'll ask you this, uh, if my loved one lives in the Philomont community, I'm gonna want the fastest response time for those points that I m mentioned earlier. And that's why I mentioned them about the response to a fire and the time you have to exit a building and our folks to be safe and the time for a cardiac arrest. Um, th those are important points when we're considering building a station. It doesn't matter if there's one call a day or 25. We run 30,000 calls a year in Loudoun County. Um, Philemont is, is certainly not Ashburn, not Sterling. Um, it doesn't have the same level of call volume, which is why there's less people, less apparatus, um, and things of that nature. Um, so we have to be careful of, as chief, again, it's an important point of call volume. I don't have five, six, seven units at this station. I have a minimum number of units, a minimum number of people. But again, most importantly, it's important for me as chief to get my units to respond in the shortest and most efficient amount of time. Um, for instance, Sterling Rescue, again, we're in two different areas, has nine EMS units, nine as assigned to the Sterling Volunteer Rescue Squad, and we don't even have one here in Philemont, which is my goal to put one here. Okay, my question was, my next question was going to be, um, how are you staffing that Sterling Park facility, for example? And you said, so nine EMS, does it have a similar number of units? Does it... Just trying to get a sense of, of for comparison purposes. Yeah, currently, Sterling Park, when, when it... Well, it is operational now, it just opened a couple of weeks ago. It has an engine, um, a ladder truck, we had to move out while it was in the construction, which was going back, uh, a full-fledged ladder truck, and, and several EMS units. Um, we put up a unit full-time, the volunteers in Sterling still staff their units in the evening. They will put up additional resources at that station as well. Okay, and then lastly, I think somebody mentioned earlier, the response time from the existing location to the new location will be roughly the same, or will it increase? Roughly the same to okay. the, the area. Okay, thank you. I just have a quick question. Quickly, Commissioner I am Burns. Quick. Uh, Chief, uh, this place you're going to have paramedics. When we, when you get the new place, you're going to add paramedics there. If the board is so gracious enough to give me another FTE, we do put our you, fourth person on the engine is proposed for. What's that? Are you planning to? Are you yes. You are planning to, so that will bring up a lot of uh, uh, calls for paramedics because you, you don't have that in the old facility, paramedics. And uh, uh, I just give you a quick example because I'm, I want to be sure that the fire department in Leesburg right on Loudoun Street, the old one, and there's a church right opposite to it. And uh, so they use, church uses the parking lot on Sundays then they were increasing the size of the uh, fire department. So they came back to the planning commission in Leesburg. The church came down that uh, they can park, offering their parking lot place for them to use during the week because church is not there. So somebody in the planning commission asked the, the reverend, how many funerals are you going to have next month? True. I mean, it was true. How many funerals are you going to have? Sometimes I have 10, sometimes I have none, because it's hard to predict on paramedics how many calls you're going to have. That's what I was saying. So you're going to have paramedics? Yes, you're going to have a lot more calls. Yeah. Yes, I would offer that 
if there's an EMS call and we don't have an EMS unit in the Philmont area currently assigned to it, the engine will run as a first responder. So regardless whether it's paramedics or not, we, we are all trained in EMS, every one of us, and we will respond on an EMS call regardless if there's a paramedic assigned. Okay. Um, before we open the public hearing, I did have one question. This is probably a DTCI question. Um, as far as the CIP, what, what is the projected need for this facility? When, what, are we past the year we needed it? Are we coming up on the year? What's, what's the timeline? I'm assuming that there's an established need. <laughs> Come on up. Join the so I know it's currently funded. I'm gonna let Scott. Well, if it's funded, I mean, there. that tells us something, right? Yeah, it's currently funded for design. The construction funding begins in fiscal year 2026, 20, I believe, is what we're, we're aiming for, so. Um, and we don't usually fund those until we pretty much need them, right? Yeah, as, as Chief uh, Johnson mentioned, it's not a, a CNA or the community needs assessment type uh, mm -hmm. uh, trigger. It's yeah. more of the, the needs from the, the surrounding area. Okay. All right. Thank you. All right. Thank you all for your contribution to that discussion. Uh, at this time, we will open up the public hearing. I'm going to remind everybody you have three minutes as an individual, six as an organization. I will queue up a couple of people at both podiums so that we can keep moving along because I do have a number of people signed up to speak on this item. So when you hear your name, please come on up. And um, I, I'm hoping I don't have to interrupt anyone, but I will if you go over time. So um, just to make sure everyone has an opportunity to speak this evening. Uh, Alexander Nance, Peter Rinnick, and Richard Pearsall. Go ahead. Thank you. Uh, good evening, Madam Chair, members of the Planning Commission. My name is Alexander Nance. I'm speaking on behalf of the Virginia Piedmont Heritage Area. And before I get into the marks, I want to express our sincere thanks and appreciation to the department for everything you do to keep our communities safe every day. Uh, so we respectfully request that the Planning Commission deny the current special exception and commission permit to build the new fire station on the historic Philmont Horseshoe grounds and that the county give consideration to an alternate proposal to renovate and maintain the existing Philmont fire station. The proposal to build a new fire station on the Horseshoe grounds is at odds with a 2019 comprehensive plan for the rural policy area and will result in violating the zoning changes pending approval in the rework zoning ordinance. Furthermore, this proposed new structure is not compatible with the historic uh, community fabric of the village and the community's firehouse belongs in the village where for decades has been part of the core of that community. Beyond the fire station, the horseshoe grounds are a community green space and an invaluable part of Philemon's heritage and the horseshoe grounds should be allowed to remain a place for the local community to gather. This issue is similar to the recent conversation around Mickey Gordon Park in Middleburg, and we implore the county to hear the pleas of local residents in Philemont that the horseshoe grounds should be preserved as a shared green space for the community. We thank the county for responding to the local community on this issue, and we hope that a success story will launch a new era where county governance will work with Western Loudoun residents on issues that impact their individual and unique historic communities. Thank you all very much for your time this evening and for your careful consideration of this important issue. Thank you. Go ahead. Good evening. My name is Peter Reinick. I live at 19929 Telegraph Springs Road. Uh, my wife and I have lived there for 30 years. We raised our son there. We're on the outskirts of Philemont. Uh, we have a lavender farm there. 
and uh, my wife and I are here to give support to having it um, built on the fires on the um, horseshoe grounds. And um, one of the, I do want to first start off by commending the architect. I think he did a, an excellent job with the design of the facility. He really put his um, effort into looking at the uh, adjacent buildings as shown with, to make it look blend in with a barn uh, style. Um, and I, I personally like the position of it on the, the site because it's back further. Most barn structures are in the back where the houses are along the main road. And this way, to me, the only thing that's missing is I like the idea of creating the, the green there, but maybe making it sort of a community space. Maybe the path comes, you have a path that goes around um, the, the um, septic field there. You have benches, you have sitting areas, and maybe there are patches where you have some, some native um, uh, flowers, almost like an interpretive garden that you could have there. Uh, to me, that could be the community space that the community really wants. So it's in the foreground of this facility. Um, and being a landscape architect, I, I think that I'm always looking out for things like that. But what are the benefits also by having um, it at the horseshoe grounds? We talked about, uh, Steve Pearsall talked about having the existing facility used as a community space. You know, what could be better? Be, uh, it could be used as a gym, as he said. Um, it's sorely needed. Um, you do, and the other benefit is you do not have to change the core component of what the fill amount looks like. The building could stay the same that way. Um, and if you had to tear down that facility to build something there, that would be a huge, um, uh, you know, disruption to the town core. Um, secondly, if the, if the structure itself was torn down and built on that site, you would have to build a temporary structure somewhere else. There would be millions of dollars that had to be built until that facility is built, and that would probably end up being built a temporary facility on the fire station, on the uh, horseshoe grounds. So um, to me, that is a, a benefit. It's, it's cheaper. Um, so if we, if we look at the um, overall summary, what the uh, overall goals are, reusing the existing facility for community use, having a, the fire station on the on the horseshoe grounds that blends in, makes it looks like a, a barn structure. And then the added benefit is maybe designing the front to be a community space, community park that the community wants. And of course, maybe it's supplemented with lavender because lavender always makes things look good. Thank you. Thank you. As Chief Fairsall comes up, can I also have Katie Johnson and Bill Ridge So good evening, and thank you for the opportunity to speak, although I think I've been up here before. Um, my name is Rick Pearsall, and I've been the volunteer um, chief operational director for the past nine years. I've been a past president, a director for over 10 years, and a 26-year life member volunteer of the Philemont Volunteer Fire Department. I still run today both fire and EMS calls, not as often, given my age. Um, so I am also a life member of the Percival Volunteer Rescue Squad. And I am here tonight representing the Philemont Volunteer Fire Department. So Lowndes County Fire Rescue is a system of fire and rescue stations staffed, operated, and owned by the county or volunteers, all with a common mission, life safety and the protection of property. And therefore, as you review the special exception application for the new volunteer fire station, it's important to remember that the Philemont Volunteer Fire Department and its operations resources and staff are part of that system. 
The Philmont First Do area encompasses over 1,500 properties and 42 square miles. And it is, it is important to note that the Philmont Volunteer Fire Department does not just respond to calls in Philmont's First Do area, but also to Round Hill, Company 4, Percival, Company 2 and Company 14, Hamilton, Company 5 and Company 17, Aldi, Company 7, Leesburg, Company 1, 20 and 13, Mount Weather, Company 21, and even Clark, Fauquier, and Jefferson counties. Similarly, these fire and rescue uh, companies responded in the Philmont First Two area when needed to provide fire and rescue emergency services. Therefore, a new station does not just serve Philmont, but the at-large Loudoun County Fire and Rescue combined system. To better understand the new station design and how it compares to other stations, a comparison of three recent stations planned or under construction and their attributes show that the new uh, Philmont Volunteer Fire Department station will be smaller in size than the Round Hill station, smaller in size than the Aldi station, and slightly smaller in size than the Lovettsville station. The new Philmont Volunteer Fire Department station will be one floor, much like Round Hill's new station, Aldi's new station, and Lovettsville's new station. Many other stations are one floor, Percival Fire and Percival Rescue, Hamilton Fire and Rescue, and Leesburg Rescue. You will find some multi story buildings such as uh, Sterling in urban areas where land is not a, a, um, available for one-story uh, stations. The land area in acres for the new Philmont Volunteer Fire Station is smaller in size than the Round Hill Station and smaller in size than the Aldi Station to give you a, an idea of how it fits with these other stations. And lastly, the new cost uh, for the fire station will be less than the new Round Hill Station, cost less than the new Aldi Station, and cost less than the new Lovettsville Station. The new station will also cost less by over $6 million when compared to renovating the old station as noted in the two 2021 and, 20, uh, 2021 and 2023 DTCI existing station feasibility assessments. The new Philmont Volunteer Fire Station that has been planned for the old Horseshoe grounds since, an, oh, excuse me, a new Philmont Volunteer Fire Department Station has been planned for the old Horseshoe grounds since 2013 when the Philmont Volunteer Fire Department Board of Directors drafted this fact in its strategic plan. As presented, the new design closely resembles the character of Western Loudon Barnes and is set back from Snickersville Turnpike so as not to draw immediate attention to the structure. The Philmont First Year communities and citizens <clears throat> of neighboring stations and Loudon County deserve a station that meets the local needs and the needs of the system and one that will serve for decades to come. Since 2013, the Philmont Volunteer Fire Department Board of Directors has been and is still firmly committed to building a new station at the Old Horseshoe Grounds and has offered that property at 37180 uh, Snickersburg Turnpike free of charge to Loudoun County for that express purpose. For this reason, I ask the Planning Commission to approve the requested special exception. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Chairman. Good evening. Thank you for the opportunity to speak to you tonight, and I hope you'll forgive my pregnant lady lungs if I have to take a few extra breaths. <laughs> my name is Katie Johnson, and I'm president of the Aldi Heritage Association. Loudoun County's historic villages are unique and irreplaceable assets. The Aldi Heritage Association deeply appreciates the county's commitment to listening to its communities and working together to find solutions that are sensitive and appropriate as demonstrated, I think, most recently by the public engagement efforts at Mickey Gordon Park in Middleburg, and certainly in the case of the Aldi Fire Station, which I feel has been one of the great success stories of the last few years in terms of county and community coming together and finding a solution. 
It's clear that citizens in Loudoun, especially in its historic towns and villages, are eager to participate and be part of the process from the beginning. So it's in this spirit of collaboration and community that AHA has been monitoring the discussion regarding the proposed fire and rescue facility in Philmont. <sighs> Pardon me. <laughs> we believe it is imperative that the citizens of Loudoun's historic villages have a voice in planning and development, and the development in these historic spaces must be strategic, appropriate, and in alignment with the scale uses and character already present. We understand that the citizens of Philomont presented a petition to the Board of Supervisors with over 400 signatures gathered in person in support of renovating the current station and preserving the open space of the horse show grounds for the village. As residents of Philomont in the station's first view area, these signatories are among the primary stakeholders in any decision which affects their homes and community. So their views on this matter, and they've been pretty clear. <laughs> We hope that their voices will be heard and that their concerns can be addressed with due consideration for the future of Philemont, both here tonight and as this process moves forward. I'm grateful to this commission for your thoughtful consideration of this issue. I also do want to take a moment to um, thank the fire and rescue personnel in the room tonight. I'm grateful to you too for the work that you do and for keeping our community safe. So thank you again. Thank you. As uh, Bill Ridge, you are next. Can I also have Madeline Skinner and John Constant come forward? Go ahead. Hi, my name is Bill Ridge. I live on Colchester Road right around the corner from this site. And I'm an architect um, with 30 years of experience with the Environmental Protection Agency uh, designing and planning and executing the renovation of EPA's laboratories all across the country, um, all of which were done to bring laboratories up to state-of-the-art conditions while they're in operation. Um, so uh, it was very frustrating to see that this couldn't be done with the Philmont, existing Philmont fire station. First, I want to say that renovating the existing building for fire operations is not feasible because of the difference in floor heights. The floors are at two different levels. However, there's plenty of space on the site to build a 12,000 square foot new building on the flat area directly behind the existing station, which will meet all the requirements of the, of the um, program, um, including the apparatus bays, the um, hot cold zone separations, all the gear, office space for the um, fire operations. And I think that's critical in this whole discussion. To me, this is an architectural issue, not a fire department requirements issue. The new, a new building on the existing site can meet the requirements of the fire department, all of them. The program for the station is 18,800 square feet, and about 12,000 of it is de dedicated to fire operations. About the remaining 6,000 square feet is for dormitory space, bath, shower, locker rooms, um, kitchen, dining, day room, exercise room, office space, and storage space. That's about 6,000 square feet. All of that can be located in the existing building. Put a connector between the two buildings. It's pretty easy to renovate the existing building for office space. There's an existing kitchen, day room there. Uh, that can be done pretty easily. The uh, new building will provide the hot-cold area, hot-cold hot, zoning. <laughs> Um, and will allow access from two directions. In other words, this site is unique in that you have access for returning trucks off Philmont Road, but the um, 
apparatus going out to a fire would go directly onto Snickersville Turnpike so that there's no conflict. It's a very efficient uh, layout without having to do a quarter of a mile of driveway around an open field. Regarding the feasibility study, which was done for Scheme 4A, I think I gave you a copy of Scheme 4A. Um, the feasibility study made several critical area, errors. First of all, the feasibility study did not study the feasibility of building a new station while the existing station is in operation. That was the critical point of the whole thing. I don't know why they didn't study that. Secondly, they didn't, the feasibility study did not study the feasibility of putting all the fire operations and apparatus in the new building with none of that in the existing building. Obviously, that was why Chief Johnson said this isn't going to work because there's not a separation of the hot and cold zones. I don't know why the feasibility study did that. It was a mistake. Um, we discussed that at the meeting back in December with Chief Johnson, Mr. Warrest, Mr. Morrison, and I. We discussed that. Scheme 4 had that, that same situation. Chief Johnson said that's not feasible, it's not viable. I don't know why DTCI did a feasibility study of Scheme 4. It was a waste of time and money. Third, the feasibility study did not study the feasibility of locating the new building at existing grade. For some reason, they located the new building in the study seven feet above existing grade, which required $300,000 worth of fill under the new building. That was a waste, and I don't know why they did that. The cost estimate in the feasibility study included other unnecessary items, such as $339,000 for a solar array, um, kitchen equipment, uh, the fill, excess retaining walls, etc. Basically, if you take out the unnecessary items, and there's a, you have the revised cost estimate, which I put together, um, there's about a million dollars worth of things which were not necessary. That plus the 40% additions for fees, um, escalation, and so forth, the net result is that using the numbers from the feasibility study, the total should be $18.2 million. I wish DTCI had had the courtesy of discussing their proposal with me before wasting the county's time and money on the study. But I strongly believe that Scheme 4A presented here is a very viable alternative to building on Philmont's only public open space. And it will give the fire department all of the requirements they need at a lower cost. I urge the Planning Commission to reject this special exception request as not being in the best interest of the village of Philmont, the county, or the fire department. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Ms. Skinner. Good evening, Madam Chair and Planning Commissioners. My name is Madeline Skinner. As the chair of the Loudoun Historic Village Alliance, I have been at this podium too many times to count to speak on behalf of various threats to our rural historic villages. Aldi, St. Louis, Bluemont, Waterford, Lincoln, and again, for many years, my own village of Philemont. In early 2019, LHVA was created to have a seat at the table when revising the RPA and the rural historic village sections of the comp plan. We were proud of our work and proud of being recognized by staff and the Board of Supervisors. We continued that important work during the zoning ordinance rewrite as we gave teeth to the guidelines of the comp plan. However, here we are again defending the very core of the vision, incompatible development. I'll just state policy one. 
Development and uses in rural historic villages must be compatible with the historic development pattern. Community character, visual identity, intensity, and scale of the vill individual villages. Strategy 1.2, preserve the character of the villages and their historic structures and sites, the rehabilitation and adaptive reuse of existing buildings. In case you haven't been to Philemon, I don't know if anybody got a chance to look at the quick video that I sent to you that was done by one of our neighbors for our National Register application, but if you get a chance, it's really sweet and you can kind of see what we're talking about, what the view is. This, I also, in a packet to you all, you have an overhead view of the horse show grounds with our proposals for a park on there, but I also note where one of the houses still has a spring for their water supply and has had that for over 60 years. Another spring across the street, and right across that big driveway you see in the uh, proposal is uh, one of our neighbors, one of the oldest log cabins, late 1700s, so definitely not compatible in construction. The proposed suburban structure on our only community green space goes against all of the comp, uh, comp plan policies, strategies, and action plans. The zoning revisions will only further support this. I have a couple questions, though. Why did Supervisors Kirshner and Buffington attempt to table zoning related to the villages at the October 2nd ZOR work session? Thank goodness Chair Randall and the Eastern Supervisors came to our rescue and passed that chapter on Village Conservation Overlay District, which was not noted in staff's presentation that that is where the horse show grounds are. They are in a VCOD area. Why was this meeting moved up to this quarter? Originally, it was first quarter of 2024. What are some departments worried about if ZOR gets approved by the Board of Supervisors in December? Are they worried they're going to have to be here again with some of the zoning regulations that they will be uh, definitely not uh, meeting with? Um, this is the type of stuff that we've been dealing with for years. As for the poor communications, you know, we have been trying to work with the county on this for years. I definitely disagree with the fact that we were not given any at-the-table discussions. To have the community meetings and you get two minutes to stand up there and talk, and you get no back and forth, there's no, that is not input. That is just a, it's, it's a it's, I'm sorry, it's a joke. A community meeting is a joke. The bond referendum, we did the homework, we educated voters on that. The bond referendum in November 2020 actually failed in the first due area of Philemont for approving the money for this fire station. Our petition was mentioned with 451 signatures. 10% of those are former Philemont volunteers. Um, we have learned a lot about hot, warm, cold zones, decontamination areas. One thing I want to ask also in your packet are two firehouses, one built in Reston and one built in the city of Fairfax. They were both built by FMG Architects, which are the same architects for Philemont. These were winners of awards, and what is so significant is that an architect will do what you tell them to do. So Reston was built on one acre. City of Fairfax was built on even less. So if you tell them to make the best use of a parcel, they will do that. So to, to completely waste our seven acres of horseshoe grounds when something could be actually done in place is really just an insult to our village. Nothing is being, everything is being met program-wise. We are not, we would never think of not giving everything that the fire and rescue staff needs. Um, I'm kind of all over the place because of so many comments that have been made, but think about this. The Philemont Volunteer Fire Department proposal on the table 
they will give the horse show grounds, they will give them to the county for free. But if you decide to build in place, they will charge the county $2 million for that building and that land. Something is a little interesting with that. Then they will, they've already said that they will sell the horse show grounds to a developer. They will not even try to make that and preserve that spot. So there's a lot going on here. Um, that, I have the deed. Those horse show grounds were purchased in 1962 by funds raised by the community. That is why we consider this seven acres community green space. In 2019, when the fire department found out that we were gonna to try to revive the horse show, they went in, they tore down the horse show rings, got rid of the secretary shack, got rid of the judges stands, and put no trespassing signs up everywhere. So even if we made a request, we were always denied to use those grounds. So there's a lot going on here. There's a lot of mistruths. There's a lot of bad information out there. Love to answer any questions on any of those. But I request that you deny the special exception and get better information when it comes to this project. Thank you. Uh, guys, we're, we won't get through tonight, so I'm going to ask you, please, do not. No applause. I mean, the, the, the spirit fingers are fine, but, you know, we, we got to keep moving. Um, as Mr. Constant comes up, can I also have Drew Bishop and Aaron Gable? Good evening. My name is John Constant. I uh, am here tonight to represent the Snickersville Turnpike Association, which I serve on. Um, our mission with the Turnpike Association is to promote the rural character of our community and to preserve the Snickersville Turnpike. So this is right in our wheelhouse because of the location of this firehouse. Now, I uh, proposed firehouse, I should say. I, I want to say that the Turnpike Association has always supported our firefighters, and we... <laughs> We uh, really appreciate all that they do in the harm's way that they put themselves in for all of us. Um, we are not here tonight to oppose any particular location. Um, we are here just to ask the board, the planning commission, to continue to look at the options. Um, because the horse show grounds is it's seven acres that if you build on it is gone forever and part of our mission is to preserve the open space in western Loudoun County and we know that there are places in Loudoun County that they're now taking buildings down and taking them back to open space so we just ask that perhaps we slow that down a little bit. It sounds like they have some time. They don't want to build it till 2026. And look at all of the options. Clearly, it can be built on the existing site. Maybe, maybe not exactly how everybody wants it done, but I do think the, um, the community deserves to have it looked at and to slow the process down a little bit. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Go ahead. Good evening to the Planning Commission. Thank you for the opportunity to address you this evening. My name is Drew Bishop. I'm a 10-year resident of Philemont. In the last five years, my wife and family and I have operated the Philemont General Store, which is adjacent and shares property lines with the current firehouse. Um, I had a number of comments that I wanted to make this evening uh, when I arrived. 
but I've taken many notes throughout this evening's presentation, and I think it's more important that I address those. Um, first, though, I'd like to thank um, Diana Inthavong um, and commend her for her comments in the materials associated with this agenda item. She's in the community planning department, and I believe that she, she asked very uh, good questions. And uh, I think uh, she had good intent in doing so. I do think some of the information she was provided may not have been the best information uh, as possible from staff. I don't believe there's any ill intent from staff on that. I just believe that some of the information may not be as accurate as it could be. <clears throat> so Commissioner Miller, you had asked about the shared parking on the current site. You'd also asked about uh, the number of bays and also the dry hydrant. Um, none of the uh, plans that have been proposed, either at the new site or uh, rebuild or renovation, are suggesting uh, that there be <clears throat> any, um, any disruption to the parking or to the, or to the number of bays that are used. Um, I think it is worth re-asking about what water is used uh, to fill the apparatus right now. I think that was a little unclear in the responses that were given earlier. Um, as far as community input, I think uh, several members have addressed that this evening. Uh, options were provided to the community for architectural features on the exterior of the building, uh, but there were not really adequate community conversations about uh, the future of the fire station. Um, additional uh, questions regarding the uh, staffing. Um, there was a comment made by Chief Johnson this evening about uh, women's facilities in the current um, structure. If, a, if the fire facility was to be renovated on site, no one's suggesting that there wouldn't be women's facilities at a new facility. Um, <clears throat> also, I think the one thing that I would prefer this Planning Commission to focus on is asking again what the primary factors are that drive the size and location of a building. Over and over again, I've been told that that is based upon response time. Uh, response time dictates primarily what size a building is and where it's located. I would like this commission to ask if response times currently meet the standards in Western Loudoun. And if that question is asked to Chief Johnson, Johnson this evening, because I've asked him myself before, he will indicate to you that response times throughout the first two area are not currently met. So response times not changing at locations is not, is not an issue um, that should determine where the location is. I think a, a better question to ask is, would it not be better to have um, smaller or adequate stations at more locations throughout Western Loudoun? If you live in Upperville, Unison, you, you're not getting an adequate response at this time from either the existing or the new station proposed. Thank you. Um, as Aaron Gable comes up, can I also have Tom Lacey and Mindy Plus? Hi, I'm here today to ask the Planning Commission to deny the request for a special exception uh, for a sprawling new fire station on the historic Philemont Horseshoe grounds. There is a viable design keeping the firehouse operations at the current location, so there is no need for a special exception. Additionally, this construction does not meet the standards of the 2019 Comprehensive Plan, which states that development in the rural historic villages must be compatible with a historic development pattern, community character, visual identity, and state scale of the individual villages. My family lives 
next door to the proposed site. <clears throat> and um, the way the project has been thrust upon our community has been nothing short of appalling. As a mother of two children, I am particularly worried about the potential for contaminants and carcinogens entering our water supply and harming our health, since the county intends to decontaminate vehicles and equipment on site. Despite these risks, the county has no plans to study potential environmental effects prior to construction, no plans to prevent contamination of our private water wells, and no plans even to monitor our water quality to make sure that our, our health is protected. Similarly, nothing is being done to address harmful impacts from noise and light pollution or the economic impacts to those of us who will eventually try to sell a home right next to a large firehouse. Under the current plan, these fire trucks will be pulling out onto Snickersville Turnpike at a dangerous part of the road, yet the county has not done any study on the potential hazards. And by the way, many of these fire trucks are too large to even come down our driveways when we do have fires. We do not want this new fire station built on our horse grounds, originally purchased with residents donations in 1961. We are begging the county to listen to the pleas of so many in our community and allow the recommended addition and renovation of our existing fire station, which can work and be cost effective. And I wanna also state that the way that this project has gone through without any community input has been horrifying. I live, as I said, right next door to this project and I have yet to have a single person from the fire department or county talk to me at all about doing anything to address any of our concerns. So I'm begging you, please do something to protect my family. Thank you. Mr. Lacey. Tom Lacey, 30 year resident of Philemont. I'd like to start out bluntly, Philemont doesn't want the new firehouse on the horse show grounds. Philemont voted against this clearly in the last referendum of about three years ago, 688 to 824. And I wanted you to reflect on the remarkable vote no. Referendums never fail. Referendums have never failed. There's no history of any referendum in this county's history failing except in Philemont, where it was voted down on the referendum three years ago. I want you to remember that. Further, in addition to voting down the proposed new firehouse, me and other members at our own effort went door to door and gathered over 450 signatures in which these local people supported keeping the firehouse at the firehouse location now. In addition, the other side came up with approximately no, excuse me, about nine other people against the 450 were on the other side and wanted the new firehouse on the horse show grounds. It's been said earlier that Philemont raised the funds for the horse show purchase years ago, about 1961. It also should be said that Philemont Firehouse wasn't built by the county, wasn't funded by the county. It was funded and built by Philemont. Philemont is deeply attached to the history and the future of their firehouse 
and the horse show grounds, the proposed new design is overwhelmingly non-compliant to the intent of the 2019 comprehensive plan and there should be no zoning exception. Thank you. Thank you. Before uh, Mindy Plus speaks, can I also have Emily Houston and Jane Covington come up? Thank you. Go ahead. Hello, my name is Mindy Pless. I feel like I go to these meetings every other week. Um, I was relocated to Northern Virginia about just about the time that this happened, I believe. Uh, I formerly lived in Chester Springs, Pennsylvania, right outside of west of Philadelphia. And we had a lovely showgrounds there, Ludwig's Corner. That was a beloved showgrounds. And they held an annual show there that raised quite a bit of money and also not too far from Devon Horse Show. As a horse person, so far I'm the only one that's speaking out. I, in all due respect, I think it's important to have the firehouse. But look at that piece of land. And I feel like I've been to this, this rodeo before. You see that land, that's, a, that's an expensive piece of land right there, seven acres. And albeit that design is very lovely, it's almost an embarrassment because between all the wineries out here that are made to look like barns, there's less and less horses and less and less places to ride horses. I want that land to remain a horse show grounds. And unfortunately, when this was rammed through apparently, there was nobody speaking on behalf of the neighborhood or of the horse people or of the people that love that area to protect that land and put it into preservation in perpetuity. Where are the lawyers here? They should be speaking out against that. That land alone needs to be preserved because you see the remaining piece on the right-hand side? Well, that's your next data center. Right next to the firehouse on the other side, that's gonna be a shopping mall because nobody's gonna to wanna to buy a house right there, all right? Because even where Aldi Station is being built, I live in the Plains, by the way, that's further enough from around, away from my house, but that's going to really jam up that Grover's Corner uh, circle. That's going to be a pain going forward on Route 15 when I have to go to Leesburg every day. Um, this space, once it's gone, it's gone. All right? So between trying to preserve Mickey Gordon Park, trying to keep the gravel roads gravel, and trying to preserve a horseshoe grounds, please, if you're gonna put the firehouse there, don't ever call it a horseshoe grounds anymore because it won't be. Thank you. Ms. Houston. Hi, I'm, I'm Emily Houston. I'm speaking on behalf of the Loudoun County Equine Alliance. We support the renovation of the existing firehouse and the preservation of the horseshoe grounds as green space with the potential for equestrian use. The Philemont area has a thriving equestrian community which supported the renowned Philemont Horse Show for over half a century. The demise of the show had nothing to do with any sort of lack of interest or enthusiasm on the part of local riders who, like equestrians all over the county, are being squeezed out of places to ride by development. The opportunity to have these precious seven acres available for year-round horse activities is an exciting one. 
LCA looks forward to any help it can give the Philmont community in designing and constructing a viable equestrian facility, which we believe can be accomplished using community resources, just as the Philmont Horse Show was produced and enjoyed by the community for decades. Loudoun's equine industry puts $180 million a year into our economy according to the economic impact study done by UVA's Weldon Cooper Center. If we want Loudoun to continue to be horse country, to have those dollars pumped into the local businesses that grow hay and sell feed, build barns and fences, host competitions, provide veterinary care, and the myriad other supplies and services the industry demands, then we have to make certain that we can provide the space and facilities needed to keep Loudon Horse friendly. Thank you. Thank you. As Ms. Covington comes up, can I also have Tia Ehrman? Hello, my name is Jane Covington. Thank you, commissioners. And thank you to the Philmont Fire Station volunteers who serve the rural area where I live. I'm speaking to you tonight as a professional who wrote the National Register nomination for both the Snickersville Turnpike and for the village of Philmont, both of which are now listed. National Register listing not only acknowledges a place's unique history and significance, but also it is used as a planning document that, like good zoning, is a guide of how to bring a place of historical significance, such as Philemont, into the 21st century. The National Register listing cites Philemont's 18th, 19th, and 20th century pedestrian scale architectural fabric of unique significance. In other words, it's not one single building that makes Philemont special, but the unblemished mix of early log cabins, pre-Civil War homes, and mid-century modern ranchers combined with the consistent size and pedestrian scale that makes Philemont a place of significance. Certainly there are areas of Philemont that can use some updating, but updating shouldn't mean destruction of the village's historic fabric with structures out of context with the pedestrian scale and massing of the village. I disagree with staff's conclusion that design of the new fire station is consistent with the rural historic place types. Honestly, if the new firehouse, and I quote, needs buffering, needs to be as far as possible from other property lines, and needs oblique views from the Snickersville Turnpike, it doesn't belong. Citizens have presented adaptive reuse as an alternative to new construction. Adaptive reuse is a key component of the county's planning policy and should be considered. I disagree with staff's conclusion that adaptive reuse is not a viable option. Adaptive reuse of the existing fire station has proven to be a logical, efficient, and common sense alternative to new construction. I ask the Planning Commission to table this decision to dig deeper and ask for further elaboration of why the proposed adaptive reuse alternative will not work and to speak further to Mr. Ridge on why his option is viable. Thank you so much. Thank you. 
Good evening. Good to see you all again. Um, for the record, my name is Tia Ehrman. I'm a senior land use field representative with the Piedmont Environmental Council. And personally, I'm a resident of Western Loudoun. My farm is in Round Hill, not far from here. Um, our first concern about this application is the lack of representation in your packet for the voices and sentiments of the residents of the historic village of Philmont, which for years have been opposed to this project, voicing their opposition at each opportunity to do so. Reminiscent of the very recent Mickey Gordon debacle that we're all kind of referencing this evening, this project is another excellent example of how badly we need a revitalization of our public input and outreach process in Loudoun County. So we stop getting so far down the line with projects that are not supported by the community members. Until we improve this process and begin to communicate and collaborate with the community as projects are developed, we're going to continue to repeat this mistake. Our second concern is the obvious and appropriate nature of this project in this location at the size and scale it is currently being proposed. At nearly 19,000 square feet, it far exceeds the well-documented community need. The current station sees on average one call per day, with the vast majority of those calls pertaining to medical emergencies, not fires. The current station houses four on-call personnel, which I believe goes up to six if there is a, as we heard, if there is an EMT added full-time, um, while the proposed new facility offers 32-person bunk room, um, which seems extraordinarily excessive. Um, this enormous facility in a small rural village at great cost to the taxpayers seems out of scale and is overall inappropriate for the community. Our third concern is how out of line this project is from our 2019 general plan and its clear guidance for historic rural villages. Philmont is already on the Virginia Historic Landmark Register and pending addition to the National Register. Locally, it is one of 12 uh, celebrated Western Loudoun villages named in our comprehensive plan. I do think it has been clearly stated and Madeline read, read policy number one, which was also in my quote to read because it's really important. Policy one for these villages is development and uses in rural historic villages must be compatible with a historic development pattern, community character, visual identity, intensity, and scale of the individual village. I ask how can a massive firehouse constructed within the VCOD um, possibly meet that guideline? Um, we would encourage the county to work to revitalize the historic firehouse already in Philmont. Bill Ridge's design is far more appropriate for the setting, the size and scale of the need, and in keeping with the countywide comprehensive plan, not to mention the desires and sentiments of the community in question. We urge a new review of Mr. Ridge's plan and encourage the county to work with him, given his strong portfolio of work, having designed several facilities to fit within small spaces while meeting all safety needs and modern amenities, which is extremely important to us. Our final concern has to do with the potential loss of the seven acres proposed for this oversized facility as Loudoun residents are underserved by our park facilities to the tune of at least 30 additional parks needed. Um, and there is not another community park in or near Philmont, the size, the site is a perfect opportunity to revitalize a community facility for gatherings like farmers markets, festivals, and the much needed publicly accessible equestrian facilities. 
There is room here for trailer parking for horses, arenas for public use, as well as a dog park, and ample space for community gatherings. We urge the commission to reject this specs and can reconsider the other option on the table to meet the imperative safety requirements for our fire and rescue personnel while maintaining the integrity of this historic rural village. Um, a positive solution for everybody is achievable. Thank you. Thank you. Do we have anyone else present in the room who would like to speak on this item? Please proceed up. Actually, come up to the podium, and, and you can have your three minutes. And then when you're done, please um, stop by uh, the assistant deputy clerk and fill out a speaker slip, if you don't mind, please. Good evening. Thank you for the opportunity to speak. My name is Shannon Gilmore, and I live in Philmont. My children went to the community center for um, CASA and I taught in Loudoun County Public Schools for 10 years. So um, I'm looking at this picture and I am just, uh, I know that many people here are maybe not familiar with Philmont. The water source that we have in the far left-hand corner, if you look at that boot, also connects over across the street to a very large pond, which then feel, feeds down to historic Goose Creek. So when I hear the chief talk about his gray water and, his, and Aaron Gable's also concerns about water, that's very concerning to me because the Philmont Fire Station is, the showgrounds is elevated and water scientists will tell you that water flows from above to below and to nearer water sources. So that's something that should definitely be explored. Never mind if you go back, I'm on the opposite side of the Snickersville Turnpike. There have been issues with people having wells. So if we have our wells run dry because we have an 18,000 square foot facility, I'm concerned about that as well. Um, we've had a few meetings and it's been very frustrating. I think that's been reiterated. I was told that we are the biggest priority for safety in the county, um, and yet when we have the sheriff come out for just a minor thing, they say, sorry, you are the lowest priority. We just can't get here. So um, I just wanted to share that there's a lot more work that needs to be done. There's things that you're not seeing on this map that um, further down to the right, the Goose Creek, the ponds, the water. There's many water sources besides that little spot right there in Philmont in our immediate neighborhood that are available um, to the fire department. So thank you. Please consider rethinking this. Thank you. you all right, wonderful. Anyone else in the room? Come on up. We've got two, so. Good evening. Um, my name's Marina Wilson. I've had the privilege of living in Philemont for 35 years. I have raised 10 children in Philemont. I have seven sons, three daughters. Five of my sons serve in the United States military. That is not something that I have accomplished. That has been accomplished by the community of not the village of Philemont. If you look at it, it's actually called a hamlet. So it's even more of a privilege to live in this community. I honor the fire department. They came to my house when we had a fire. 
So I'm very grateful for the local fire department. But what we're not looking at is an essence of a village to raise future generations in this great nation of America. And that takes a village. I've had the privilege of the local store owners employing my daughters, employing my sons, the wineries. My boys have learned how to cut the graft, the grapes, and learn how to really work hard. And when we had the privilege of having Mr. Stanley Lickey, bless his heart, raise my boys and teach them real farming to wear flannel shirts and work from eight in the morning until eight at night to get that hay in. What a privilege it is to raise these young people and had a community around them. You have the honor of living in one of the most amazing communities in the world. I'm very blessed to do a lot of traveling, having been in Europe and Cyprus, Middle East and England in only the last few months. And truly, the resources that we have are water. What an honor it is to be able to turn on fresh water. What an honor it is to be able to go out and pick wildflowers, to go to a local community and be able to pick and harvest mulberries with my neighbor. So I think what we have to do sometimes is step back and look at, yes, we do need the firehouse, but we have a firehouse. It has served its purpose very well for a very long time, and we do not need to project ourselves into the 20th century, 21st century, in, on that volume. What we need to really think about is, who are we raising in Loudoun County? What kind of people are our future generations? And truly, it takes a village or a hamlet to raise good civil people in our country. Thank you very much. Thank you. Go ahead. Um, if you did, can you fill out a speaker slip? I'm not sure if you were able to do that, ma'am. If you didn't, oh yeah, thank you. Go ahead. Good evening. I was not planning on speaking tonight. Um, thank you guys so much for allowing me to. Um, I'll try and make this brief. I'm just here to speak on behalf of the Philmont Horse Show itself. Um, my family is actually one of the families that came to the fire department um, to get them to continue the horse show, even though the fire department was no longer interested in continuing it. Um, so my family took it upon themselves to put the show together, keep going um, between COVID and the lack of interest, for, the lack of support from the fire station. Um, and then the tearing down of the facilities, it made it so that we could no longer do this horse show. Um, I grew up in Philomont. I was born and raised there. My family's been there since the 80s. My grandfather was affectionately known as Sparky um, <laughs> by the fire department itself. And we've all, I grew up riding my bike to the Philomont General Store. I went to um, preschool at the community center and I have now, I vote and always have at the Philomont, current Philomont Fire Department. Um, I know for me, it's very important to maintain the integrity of our community that we already have. And it's very important to get the Philomont Horse Show going again. I don't know if any of you realize it, but we've had Olympians show at this horse show. We have had, I mean, my name is on the High Point Trophy at least three times. It's a very important thing for my family in particular. The second we can sit up by ourselves, we are getting ready for the lead line class at the Philomont Horse Show. Um, so it is my intention to try and get that back 
And also, I'm very passionate about just maintaining free open space. And I think that the proposition that uh, Madeline has been so passionate about is a solid plan and should just be reevaluated. Thank you all so much for your time. Thank you. Uh, we do have online speakers signed up. Um, I'm aware of one, but we'll, we'll take any extras um, when we're done here. Uh, Martha Polkey. Do we have Martha still online with us? Yes, yes. Hello, can you hear me? We can. Please go ahead. Thank you. Good evening, commissioners. Uh, as you've heard, citizens are back before you tonight for yet another controversy over use, overspending, and adherence to the 2019 Comprehensive Plan. And once again, the cause of the strife is not a developer's plan, but county staff's proposal for a huge Eastern Loudoun public facility that is out of scale for its location and its community. It violates the comprehensive plan, ignores citizens' wishes, and discards a much more effective alternative that is compatible with the comp plan and citizen sentiment. One would think that after years of conflict over the Aldi firehouse and then the Aldi's historic parcels, Route 690 interchange in Percival, and most lately the misguided Parks and Rec proposal to convert a historic rural baseball field into a blighted cricket field. Um, that occurred to county staff that their central planning style, we know what's best for you approach to public infrastructure needs is a continuing cause of conflict. Are you really prepared to tell Loudoun citizens it's essential to spend $22 million for a 8,800-square-foot, 32-bed firehouse in a rural area that gets one a day, a facility that staff says is essential to house the huge new fire trucks that are too big to get down many farm lanes and drives, which has resulted in burning to the ground because they could not be reached. In an area where very little additional housing growth is allowed, Citizens are relying on you to stand up to staff and to stop the profligate spending and to direct staff to instead use the professionally prepared renovation plan for the Philomont Firehouse that citizens solicited and was the comp plan regarding character and scale for our historic rural villages and that it will well serve fire and rescue needs for our rural area. For the longer term, these repeated pitched battles between citizens and county staff, which happen because staff are ignoring citizens' clearly stated visions for their communities, which are enshrined in the comp plan. This has caused citizens to lose faith in local government and in the public input process. It's pitting volunteer fire staff against citizens, damaging communities, and wasting even more money. At this is a leadership issue, and citizens expect elected and appointed officials and the county administrator to solve it. Thank you very much. Thank you. Do we have any other speakers online to participate remote? Yes, Madam Chair, we have one more speaker online. Okay. Um, I don't have your information, so before you start, if you please tell us who you are. Hello? Yes. Um, I'm calling to make comment about the fire department, Philmont Fire Department. Uh, yes, go ahead. You have three minutes. Oh, um, 
Hi, my name is Holly Hudemack, and for 11 years, at 37160 Snickersville Turnpike, which is directly adjacent to the horseshoe grounds um, on the uh, side going towards the Philmont General Square. And there has been comment about the traffic, but I want to point out that huge fire engines exiting the horseshoe grounds turn left or right onto Snickersville Turnpike will have a much more difficult time doing that with the visibility um, versus staying at the Philomont Air Station on Philomont Road and Snickersville Turnpike. Plus, someone mentioned that there's access going um, in two ways going to the existing fire station, which I think will help traffic. So for a safety issue, the uh, horseshoe grounds should not be considered for a fire department location. It, there's a steep hill going up onto the prop, and I just I think it would be uh, ill-advised to have large fire engine trucks turning left or right directly onto Snickersville Turnpike from the horseshoe grounds. Okay, thank you very much. All right, this is the last call, both uh, in the room and remote. Does anyone else want to speak on this item? Okay. Seeing none, we will go ahead and uh, close the public hearing on this item. Uh, is there anything that staff would like to respond to from the public comment? No? No, Commissioner. Okay, the applicant, anything you all want to add? No? Okay. All right, thank you, commissioners. I would like to entertain a motion. This is in Catoctin, right? Uh, it's in Catoctin it, now. It's, it's in, in Blue Ridge, but we've been, haven't we been acting as though? No, until no. the end of this year, it is the current district. Right, the current district is Blue right. Ridge. Oh, it says Catoctin on the thing. The, okay, all the right. New, the new district will be Catoctin, so I, I'm happy to take it. No, go ahead. Um, I, we just got to get that consistent on the reports, if we could. <laughs> if Commissioner Vance would like to. Yes. Go ahead, Mr. I, I Vance. I do have a motion. Uh, I move that the Planning Commission move LEGI 2023-0069 Philemont Fire and Rescue Station CMPT 2023-0003 to a future Planning Commission work session. And I move that the Planning Commission forward LEGI 2023-0069, Philemont Fire and Rescue Station, special exception 2023-0014 to a future Planning Commission work session. Second. Motion is made by Commissioner Vance, seconded by Commissioner Kirchner. Do you have an opening? Uh, yes, I do. I, I think that um, I think <clears throat> the um, plan put forward um, is in many is is in many ways just inconsistent with the general plan. Uh, it's uh, inconsistent with the. Uh, Rural historic villages and the uh, treatment um, uh, and the in historic integrity of those of those villages, but secondly, I think the reuse of the existing facility 
may be possible, and I think it's something that we should examine, and we should examine it uh, and get some more information on that potential, on the viability. There's uh, been an alternative plan, and I understand that um, uh, other stations have been, have been uh, added to and, and have remained open as well. So uh, I think there's, a, I think there's a plenty of uh, issues to look at with, uh, in a work session. Uh, and I think the uh, community deserves uh, some more hearing on this issue. Commissioner Kirchner. Oh, thank you. Yes, um, I'm happy to support the motion. Um, I think there's a lot of really great information that came to us tonight, a lot more things for us to look at and think about. Um, I really appreciate all of the input um, from the professionals on the applicant side, uh, but I think there's more that, that uh, can be examined, more deeply examined, um, particularly the alternative, this 4A, uh, there, I have a lot of questions um, that were not answered um, in the initial staff report that I saw that answered really why looking more deeply at this alternative could not work. Um, I'm compelled by the uh, commitment of the community of Philemont, uh, particularly hearing that it was the community of Philemont that made this parcel uh, uh, viable and, and purchased it to begin with, with, with funds. So I think it's incredibly important for us to make sure that the community is heard and is collaborating on this. Um, I, I'm concerned that maybe enough time has not been spent um, having the community really involved and really have a back and forth, not just being able to come to a meeting and stand up for two minutes and talk, um, but to really have a back and forth and Maybe that's something that, that um, as a commission, I think as, as, if, as we go forward, hopefully, which I hope we will, to a work session that we can help facilitate a better collaboration, a better, closer look at the needs and coming back and saying this is, we, we truly have vetted everything, looked at it, looked at all the pros and cons based upon the needs, based upon the realities. I was very interested to hear the comments about um, other fire stations in the suburban area. Um, this is not a suburban area. I think this is really, you know, we have to be very cognizant of uh, scale um, and uh, appropriateness for the area. So I, I hope that, that we will be sending it to a work session. I think there's a lot of good work that can be done and much better understanding and maybe a, a result that everyone will feel good about. Thank you. Commissioner Miller. Uh, if this goes to work session, I would certainly hope that everybody who supports it going to work session will take a visit to the Philmont Fire Station, the existing station, and the site. I'm sure, um, uh, I'm sure Chief Pierce will be happy to give tours. Um, it is important that you go out there and see what this facility is. Um, building on the current site, uh, building a new building in the back, and um, and operating out of the current building at the same time is only possible if the um, uh, the staff doesn't ever have to go to the bathroom um, because they'll be building on a drain field. Um, and that's just not, you can't build on a drain field and operate the building at the same time. Um, the drain field is there, is small, um, and won't accommodate what um, would have to be built to meet the standard that the county has for fire and safety. Um, at some point, this will go to the Board of Supervisors, um, whether we recommend its approval or not. 
um, at that time, the Board of Supervisors, I suspect, will um, will act on this with the with the first and foremost of their responsibilities, which is the um, protection and safety of the citizenry. And I find it hard to believe that members of the Board of Supervisors would object to um, anything Chief Johnson has to say about how to best provide um, fire safety for the community of Philemont and the community at large. Um, this, I believe this um, service area is approximately 42 square miles um, and only has a population of about 1,500 people. So that tells us that it is um, strategically located such that it can serve a wide area of um, Western Loudoun. Um, to give you an example of how big 42 square miles is, um, the town of Leesburg we're sitting in right now is approximately 12 and a half. Um, so it's three and a half times the size area of the town of Leesburg. Um, I'm not exactly sure what will be accomplished at a work session. I find it hard to believe that the county, DTCI, and, um, and, and the fire department um, will have significant modifications to their, their plan. Um, and I also find it hard to believe that um, the, the Philmont Volunteer Fire Department will um, decide to um, give the seven acres to the county for a public park. Um, we talk about public uses here. This is um, a private land, um, and the people that own it are free to do what they can legally do with it. They have no obligation to provide what they've provided over the years. Um, it would be nice if they did. Sure, of course, it would be great. It would be great if the people that own the 38 acres next door did the same with their land and provided um, fields and parks for everybody else. Um, unfortunately, those that own their land get to decide who gets to use their land. Um, so I'm not sure what we accomplish by a work session, um, but if that's where it goes, then that's where it goes. But I, I would hope that if it does go to a work session, everybody who supports that does go to Philmont and take a look at this. So you, you get your eyes on the ground and see what we're actually talking about and not um, from speculative nature of um, looking at a map. Thank you. Thank you. Commissioner Merthier, do you have anything? Yes, thank you. I agree with uh, Commissioner Miller to some extent. The question before us is a station on this site, and I think that's what our discussion should be about. I do believe that uh, we have an opportunity to perhaps uh, design this site so that it fits, the facility fits into the community. I don't think scale is as significant an issue as some continuation of the streetscape and so on and making the facility part of the community. 18,000 square feet on this site, 12 to 18,000 square feet at the corner on the existing site, same impact. I don't see any difference in either proposal in terms of impact on the community. So uh, I would like to see at our work session uh, the input from uh, the Heritage Commission or representatives of the Heritage Commission ideally representatives of the HDRC who are involved in architectural design and site planning uh, to get their um, opinions on how to make this site a better part of the community. Uh, I do uh, think there are changes that can be made on the site to make it a better project, uh, fit into the community better. So that's where I, my focus will be. I am curious about how the other new stations impact response time areas for this station and, and need for this station. But again, our job is not to talk about 
where it should go. It's to look at this particular site and say whether it's a viable site or not. So uh, that's all I have tonight. Madam Chair, I appreciate everybody coming out to speak. I know I was involved in the Aldi situation and, and uh, I know how uh, the community needs to be involved in that discussion. I hope there's time to do that and bring people to the table and uh, lay all the facts out for everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Vice Chair Combs. Uh, thank you, Madam Chair. I, I agree with a lot of what's been said so far in support of the motion to go to work session. Um, I, I do want to um, know more, given that, from what I understand, the Heritage Commission did recommend adaptive reuse of the existing facility. I would like to know more about that. Um, and if there are feasibility studies that say that can't happen, um, given the recommendation from Heritage Commission, I want to know more about that. Um, I want to know more about this Scheme 4A. Um, I think there's, there, there have been a lot of suggestions as to other information, and clearly the community has been heavily involved in this for years, and I think we owe it to them, all those folks who came out tonight, um, staff who've put all the work into this, I think we owe, we owe all of them that inquiry um, and that le level of diligence. So um, I would like to, to know more. Um, I would like us to take that deeper dive that's been suggested, and I hope we can do that at work session. Okay, um, I will. I will echo most of what's been said, um, and and spare you all my other pontifications. For the most part, I just would like to add that if um, if one of our concerns is preserving the village core, building on the current site, and removing the current structure doesn't accomplish that, which is some of the things that's been discussed. I think that is in completely opposition of the 2019 general plan. I'm also going to tell you, based on current discussions we've had in sites in Arcola and other areas, that extending on the current facility, that's going to give a lot of people pause because it's going to change the character of the village core because we're going to have massing and size that just isn't consistent with what's there now. So these are things I think we have to be careful about as we go forward. I don't know that this is, it's not an easy decision. Um, I, I would be concerned that there's not full-time EMS there or appropriate facilities for a female firefighter. So I don't think anybody disagrees that we need to do something. Um, all that said, we owe it to the community to be certain we have done all the due diligence we need to on the option to embrace adaptive reuse and expand the station on the current site at the work session. I don't know if anybody has this history back to the 60s, but if the Philemont Fire and Rescue owns that parcel, that the community raised funds for, I have to wonder if the intent was always to make it a fire station. If it was, if it was always to make it a fire station, then I, you know, it's been 60 years, I get it, but that's kind of a relevant point. I think we need to understand that. Um, so if anybody has, I don't know how we document that, but I'd, I'd be curious to see if we could. And then were we to do adaptive reuse on the current site, what options are out there? It is a private landowner for that seven acre parcel. Um, you know, would Parks and Rec be interested in paying market value for it? Would, you know, what other things could be done? Because if there's not a viable option out there, it's a little less of a motivating factor to stay on the current site. So I look forward to this going to work session because I think we have some conversations left to be had in community involvement. Marshawn, Mr. Schneider. Just to sort of do a polling of what we have, we have, uh, request to have a additional explanation of option 4a we'll be prepared to do that 
Um, we have requests to research more about the, the land dedication for the horse show uh, park, which we, we can look at. Um, input from the Heritage Commission and the HDRC, we can reach out to them. We can provide the further discussion from the Heritage Commission, and then we can talk to the HDRC about any input they may have on the design, scale, and massing. We had asked uh, about station, questions about impact response time, how this facility might impact the response time of nearby facilities. Um, anything else that I'm missing? Any other amendments to the existing facility? Uh, we did talk about the pollinator garden or maybe a pollinator meadow out in front. We can talk and get more detail about that. Was there any other design of the current site that the commission would like vetted or considered? There, uh, the one other thing to add, Commissioner Marathi, I believe, um, Ask the question, but perhaps we can hear more about it, about the factors that drive the size of the facility. Factor um, that drive, he, yes, sir. I think he dug into that a little bit, um, but perhaps if we could hear more on that, that'd be helpful. Okay. And I, I brought up um, hearing about more from the community input and collaboration. I don't know if that's something. A more about the background? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and, and if something more can happen between now and um, the work session. Okay, thank you, Madam Chair. And I think uh, the adaptive reuse option, uh, maybe you did mention that for, that was proposed. Or a, Take a yeah. good, good look at that. Yes, sir. Okay, two quick housekeeping items. One, as people are departing, I do wanna say thank you for taking your time out to come and join us on a Tuesday night. I know you have a many other things you could be doing um, and, and you are a very important part of the process. So thank you for sharing your inputs and uh, hope that you will continue to do so as we move forward. Uh, second, I owe staff an apology. It does say Blue Ridge. I just only read the line below it that said Catoctin. So I will, uh, yep. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate Jackie for not calling me out, but I'll call myself out. Commissioner Vance, do you have a closing? Uh, yeah, just quickly, I wanna thank everybody for coming out, everybody having, um, you know, <clears throat> Presenting some great, great ideas. Uh, the uh, you know, I think, I think we're going to be looking at some options here that um, you know, either either way it turns out, I think we can there'll be some improvements made to the ultimate outcome. Um, uh, I, I did did want to say there's no intent to to leave the existing facility simply as it is and and uh, you know not improve that facility and uh, you know, bring it up to the standards that we need for it. So um, you know, with that, I hope we can uh, all agree to take it to a work session. Thank you. Thank you, we have a motion on the floor. All those in favor? Aye. 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 All those opposed? All right, the motion carries eight, no, seven, zero, two with Commissioners Hayes and now Commissioner Moderetti absent. Mr. Moderetti did have to leave our, uh, our meeting partway through. So we have a work session, thank you all. Um, I'm going to ask us to take a 10 minute break you, so that we can, I think there's some room clearing to do, some folks who are gonna leave and uh, I think some of us up here would appreciate a brief recess and we will be back at when my clock up there says seven or eight five zero, oh, so we will be back in ten and a half minutes. Thank you.
All right, we are going to resume our uh, Planning Commission public hearing. We have critical mass. We're missing one commissioner, but we'll, I'm sure, get that remedied quickly. Uh, we are at item three on our legislative agenda, Legi 2023-0067, Goose Creek, Goose Creek Retail. Allison, this is you. Good evening, thank you. My name is Allison Britton. I'm with the Department of Planning and Zoning and I'm here today to present the application for Goose Creek Retail LLC. One thing I wanted to note is after the staff report was published, there was a community meeting held on October 19th and as of 5 p.m. tonight, we have since received five additional public comments from other businesses located in the Goose Creek Village Retail Center in support of this application. The subject property is a 0.51 acre portion of a 15.92 acre parcel located west of Belmont Ridge Road and north of Sicklin Road in the Goose Creek Village Retail Center in the Ashburn Election District. This property is zoned Planned Development Commercial Center Community Center PDCCCC and is located in the suburban policy area in the suburban mixed use place type. This site previously obtained site plan approval to develop as a bank with the drive through but is currently undeveloped. The applicant is requesting a special exception to allow a 2,400 square foot restaurant with a drive-through in the PDCCCC zoning district in accordance with section 4-204B9 of the zoning ordinance. You can see here, as proposed, this layout appears to accommodate about 13 cars in queue. The proposed restaurant with a drive-through is an anticipated complementary use within the suburban mixed-use place type and appropriate on the periphery of the Goose Creek Village Retail Center to serve nearby residential communities. Staff recommend conditions relating to architectural design, landscaping and screening, exterior lighting and amenities in the open space area. And staff support a recommendation of approval subject to the conditions of approval dated October 16th, 2023. This application is consistent with the suburban mixed use place type as a complementary use appropriate on the periphery of the Goose Creek Village Retail Center. It's also consistent with the revised 1993 Loudoun County Zoning Ordinance. And with that, staff's happy to answer any questions. I do have uh, Marie Pham from the Department of Transportation and Capital Infrastructure online as well to help answer questions. Okay, thank you very much. Commissioner Miller. So the current approval um, with the whole development would be for a bank? Uh, there were said? previous approvals for a bank with right. a drive-through, but this application would be for a restaurant with a drive-through. Right, but the, but the it's currently approved for a bank with a drive-through. Right. Okay. Um, the, I, I, this is an applicant question, but I don't think they have a, a defined user yet. Um, it's possible that some drive-through user come along and say, yes, I want to be here, but I need the building to be this shape or that shape or this queue or that queue. Um, do we, do we is, is this flexible or is, I'm sure the applicant would probably rather be more flexible than less. Um, how flexible are we with the design, with the the general, the maximum size, and there's a, there's certain things that they have to comply with. But is there will they have flexibility to modify it when it as, as it goes along the site plan? Or are we asking them to formalize something today without a user? Uh, the requirement would be uh, substantial conformance with the plot that's proposed and conditions proposed, but um, did you want to? No, that's fine. So they, she's correct that at this size and scale and for us to be able to determine the traffic flow throughout the development through the parcel, 
it was they did provide a specific layout and design this would not they would if they wanted to amend it they would have to uh, file an amendment to their special exception for a, for a legis with, with would require legislative approval correct okay yeah i just i'm generally i'm i'm learning more and more about this and i'm more in favor of his bubble plans that account for things because there are i don't know 74,585,000 different fast food restaurants and every single one of them has a slightly different design and i would hate to lose a uh a, a, a tax paying tenant because of 10 feet here or five feet there but that's okay, just general yeah yeah there's two general philosophies one if, if it's the bubble plan then it's more highly more contingent upon the nature of the conditions that describe architecture right flow versus having the um plat speak for itself as sort of two two way two options okay. either flexibility with a lot of text or let the picture do the talking okay. for the and user. perhaps I'll ask, this, I'll ask the applicant that question yep. as well thank you thank you any other questions commissioner burns yes the first step what is the next door building in there the right next to the restaurant to the north there is a um a gas station right, and to right the south to right next to it to the south there is a Walgreens is a Walgreens mm -hmm. okay okay that's what I was wondering what it is how much space between two buildings is gonna be uh, I think we can get you an answer to that although I don't have that off the top of my head you don't have it maybe an applicant might have it so well, there's there's like a two-lane road in between the Walgreens and the pad site right so the Walgreens has a drive-through on this on the north side of the pharmacy building so there's a lane for that and then there's an additional travel through lane before the pad site begins there's plenty of room there uh, yeah Packy saw me as 50 feet thank you Commissioner Matthew do you have any questions for staff no I do not thank you okay I actually have a few and I think it's probably Marie questions um, so I'm giving her fair warning because it's very uh, parking and transportation intensive um, the proposed trips with this use it, you're looking at a double you know weekday total trips from what's currently prepared um, planned where do we see these people coming in and out of the larger shopping center development do we have anything that tells us that Yes, so we're looking at roughly 35% coming from the north along Belmont Ridge Road. Um, and this is showing north of Hay Road. We're seeing about 30% come from the south on Belmont Ridge Road, south of Sicklin. And then we're seeing about 30% come in from Ashburn Farm Parkway and about 5% come in from Sicklin Road itself. Okay, so we envision the folks who are coming from the south they go past the Sicklin Road intersection and they make the left at the light on Hay Road because five I believe the people coming from the south would likely come up and turn on to Sicklin for access right which is why I'm finding that five percent number to be pretty hard to believe okay coming off of Sicklin right and this is showing it further west from Naismith Terrace I want to know how they're getting into the shopping center. Are they coming in Sicklin? Are they coming in the right end by the parcel? Or are they coming in at the Hay Road light? My estimate from this would be that 35% of them are coming in at that right end only off of Belmont Ridge. 
and the rest would be coming in somewhere off of Sicklin Road there, kind of southwest of the site. Okay. So majority are going to come in off that Sicklin Road entrance, and then they're all going to have to come out of either Hay Road or Sicklin because you cannot make a right out. That's right. It is simply a right in. That's right. Okay. Do we have anything that shows us where the internal sidewalks and crosswalks are that are proposed? Yes. Here is a layout that uh, demonstrates a couple of the proposed crosswalks here. Um, one here, one here connecting um, in the internal part of the site, one here. There's one um, down here from uh, around the Walgreens area to this site that is currently existing. Is there anything that connects it to the portion of the parking lot closer to the Harris Teeter? Uh, one right here. Okay. And are we adding any lights? I would imagine there'll be some lights around the building. That I would have to defer to the applicant. Okay. Uh, there are conditions related to exterior lighting. Mm -hmm. um. And this is 13 cars in the queue. There's five parking spots in front of this building. So the other eight cars are drive through queued spots. There are also spaces on this side. Okay. Okay. All right. I think that's all I've got right now. Um, all right. Do we have an applicant presentation? Wow, she's queuing that up. <laughs> um, my name is Packy Crown. I'm with Bowman Consulting, and I'm here tonight representing Goose Creek Retail LLC. Um, also with me tonight is my far right is Kevin Sitzman with Grove Slade. He's here to answer transportation questions tonight. Uh, John Paltonino, who is manager uh, of the Goose Creek Retail LLC, and uh, Matt Leslie with Walsh Colucci, who is uh, there, the uh, attorneys for the project. And I will say also that we have submitted the affidavits and posting and notice uh, for the project prior to the beginning of this application and the public hearing tonight. Um, we have a, a fairly uh, straightforward um, presentation for you tonight. Next slide, please. Um, this application is to add um, a restaurant with drive-through. I want to be clear that uh, since this property is zoned PDCCCC, um, all of the permitted uses that would be permitted under the CC district are available for this site. Um, this is a special exception use, of course, so that we needed to come forward uh, for this use to be permitted. Uh, the, in fact, the drive-through bank, the bank with drive-through, is a, a by-right use under the CC district. So that is, and there was a site plan approved for that. Um, Goose Creek Village Retail Center uh, is approved for roughly 160,000 plus uh, square feet of retail. Uh, to date, there's 156,000, a little over 156,000 square feet of retail in place uh, at the center on the north side of Sicklin Road. 
this site is about a half an acre site uh, located between the, the Sunoco station to the north, the Walgreens to the south, and just to the east of the Harris Teeter. Um, we are um, also asking for, well, not also asking for, we're, we're proposing that this site be added so that um, hopefully, uh, you know, this site can be filled in. There's actually only two sites left in the uh, Goose Creek Village Retail Center uh, to complete the center. Next slide. Um, we're asking for a maximum of 2,400 uh, square foot building to be located on the site. To answer your question, Mr. Miller, uh, we did submit a, a layout. Uh, staff did not ask us to submit the layout, but we asked. We did submit a layout uh, because we wanted to make sure that the site did work, the circulation worked on the site, and that the parking uh, would work for a 2,400 square foot building. Um, one thing I would point out is that the conditions of approval state that this is a 2,400 square foot building, and and it doesn't say maximum. So we would ask that you know that one uh, condition be clarified that it's a maximum, so that if there's a user that comes in at 2,300 square feet or less, you know, or tw less than 2,400, then that user could be accommodated on this site. And that's frankly an oversight on our part. Uh, when we filed uh, the plat, so we can work with staff to um, to clarify that condition. Uh, we have agreed to all of the conditions of approval, including the architectural standards that would require four-sided architecture. But anybody that has visited Goose Creek Village, I'm sure you uh, you know that uh, this center has had very high finishes, uh, architectural design and finishes. Uh, from the beginning of the center. Um, and that is something that the owner is very concerned about and has been throughout the, the development of this center. Um, there will be at least a 30% 30, 30 masonry on this uh, building. Uh, there will be screening, including parapet you know, screening. And um, there will be a review and approval requirement uh, for any architecture uh, for the future building on this site would have to come to the planning director for review and approval before the building permit could be, uh, be approved. On the environmental side of this, there would be underground stormwater management actually on this site. Um, native plants have been uh, conditioned and we agree with that. Uh, lighting would be uh, provided consistent through it with everything else provided in the community and actually in this center, uh, LED lighting has already been used throughout the center. Uh, so this will be carried throughout um, this, this parcel. Um, there, we've agreed to high reflective roof, um, roof membranes and we've also agreed to recycling receptacles on the site. Next slide. Um, on the transportation side, um, staff has provided you with a, a table in your, your staff report, but um, this compared to a drive-through, a bank with a drive-through, which is what uh, the staff wanted us to compare for this analysis, uh, it would generate 48 additional trips in the morning, 50 uh, fewer trips in the afternoon and the p.m. It would uh, generate roughly 527 total trips uh, during the weekday and additional. 
uh, over the drive-through bank. And on Saturday, um, fewer trips, about 31 fewer peak hour trips. Uh, we did not take any internal reductions, uh, trip reductions in the traffic analysis. Um, so uh, this was a conservative analysis that we provided uh, with the application. Uh, we've also agreed to conditions for bike racks, crosswalks, and internal sidewalks uh, that do connect uh, throughout the center. Next slide. Um, wanted to provide a uh, couple of examples for on-site uh, stacking. Um, we, the one on the left shows there would be one situation in which it could be eight, eight total stacking spaces. On the right, 13 total stacking spaces. Um, if you go to the next slide, please. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, beyond the end slide for me. And then we also looked at, um, just after we had our community meeting on Thursday night, and uh, a couple of residents asked questions about stacking on the site and, and the traffic, um, we also uh, looked at converting the bailout lane, I'll call it bailout lane, uh, which we had already designed for the site, to expand that out so that we could accommodate a dual stacking lane on the site. Uh, by doing that, we have 14 um, on-site stack, uh, stacking spaces, which would not require you know, anybody to be outside of the crosswalk area on the site. Um, I'm happy to answer any questions that you have about the, you know, the site. Uh, this is, again, um, a request to add the use um, so that this site hopefully can be developed at some point in the future. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Commissioner Miller. Uh, was I correct in my assumption you don't have a user yet? You're just speculating on size of the building? That's correct okay. at this point. There's um, no contract. Just as a comment, um, the version with the two lanes to get mm -hmm. um, the stacking inside of the, um, the crosswalk, uh, 13 is a lot to be stacked in any drive through um, not named, um, not based in Atlanta and selling chicken sandwiches. Um, <laughs> so you, you, any way that comes here is unlikely to have um, 13 stacked, um, unless they're just slow. Um, and it wouldn't be fast food at that point. But the nature of the possibility of that happening would lead me to side towards this design because if we could go back two slides to the um, one that had that, that with the stacking, yes, it shows the cars, the one on the right. Um, if there's a 14th car, that's, that's a real problem. Of, right, and that's why that's we look at That's a real problem. That. So yep. um, I'm, I mean, I support this design and use, but I would think that we would be much better served for mitigating any potential future risk of having some great, wonderful drive-through that um, has more than 13 cars stacked um, that we, if it was the Walgreens, that's different. But it's here and that's impeding um, Belmont Ridge Road, which would back up the belt, which that creates a world of problems should someone get stuck somehow um, there and bail out traffic. Well, we still, we still left a bailout uh, opportunity. They can get out at the top. And they can still get out at the top, yeah, if you go back, okay. uh, Allison. See, we've, we've still incorporated the bailout in the 
uh, design here. So uh, we we frankly think that this is a pretty that, good that, that alternative. Would, yeah. <laughs> the, the other thing I'll note is that I mean, I would agree with you, traffic backing over to Belmont Ridge Road, we probably got a restaurant operator problem at that point, but that there is a dedicated right turn lane coming in there, that right in only, that goes all the way to the light at Hay. And so even if there was, for some reason, some sort of backup there, it's not blocking through not traffic blocking on Belmont, Belmont Ridge Road. Road. Correct. Yeah. It's, it would back up on Hay, but backups are backups, yeah. and you'd be seeing it, and just it would... It could potentially be problematic. Yes, anybody other than Chick-fil-A with 13 cars in line, God bless them. They do need a larger site. I will tell you that right. than a half-acre right. site. Yeah, it's not a half-acre site. So I don't think we'll have a problem, but given the fact that a, a two-lane um, drive-through could potentially work here, I would think that that's the, that, that's the route that I would prefer to see um, going forward. Thank you. Commissioner Merrithew? Yes, thank you. Packy, uh, just a, a couple of questions, not, not transportation related specifically, but dumpster related. Is there any provisions for the enclosure for those that dumpster, since it's right on the entrance to the project, uh, being the same uh, facade material as the restaurant? Um, we haven't agreed or uh, really even discussed with staff making it the same facade material um, as the restaurant, but what I will tell you is the, uh, the dumpster enclosures um, are stone, uh, stone clad, and they're very, um, they're, they're really great looking uh, okay. dumpster enclosures. So they're matching the, the dumpster enclosures? They're going to match the Elsewhere in the project? Yeah. Yes, they are. Yeah. Okay. Are they higher than the dumpsters, the enclosures? How high are they? Yeah. 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 yeah they're they're higher. As a former resident, Commissioner Merrithew of this neighborhood for five years, I can tell you that the dumpster enclosures in this shopping center are the nicest dumpster enclosures I've seen in my entire life, um, and they are consistent throughout the shopping center. Uh, and I look look forward to one additional uh, world class dumpster enclosure on this site. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Matt. I'll take your word for it. My second question is dealing with the, uh, and I don't know what you call them, the order where you where you uh, provide your order to the restaurants and then you pay at the window, you know? Yeah, the external yeah. speakers and the menu board and stuff like that. In this illustration here that with the dual lane uh, situation, where would those order boards be? Well, we'd have to work with a user in order to locate those. I would assume that they would be up closer to the building, but I don't know the answer to that uh, because we don't have a specific user. Um, we can certainly ask, you know, work with staff on some you know, criteria to incorporate into the, the project. I, okay, I thought I saw, heard staff say there was a walkway along the western side of this property. Is that right? or not there's a uh, crosswalk that goes on the north side over to um you see the island there well maybe you don't the island there yeah, there's there's no existing sidewalk today on the on the western side of the parcel there is an existing sidewalk on the eastern side that, eastern then, side, con yeah. that then connects to all the other internal sidewalks okay 
And All right, my concern was the, the message boards or the menu boards being somehow blocking views or blocking sidewalk or something like that, because yeah. it looks awfully tight. Yeah. yeah, and and just that. just for additional information, you wouldn't. The reason why there's not a sidewalk on the western side and why it, it wouldn't make sense to put one there is because of the way that the Walgreens is laid out and set up, the the sidewalk on the eastern side takes you from the rest of the internal pedestrian connections along the front side of the Walgreens to the entrance. The western side of the Walgreens is where they have their kind of utility stuff and so there's no space for a sidewalk to kind of continue uh, going south if there was one on the western side of the parcel. All right, all right, that's great. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you, Madam Chair. Vice Chair Combs. Uh, thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, good evening, all. Good to see you. Uh, a few questions regarding the specs plat. Um, I think Allison had indicated those sidewalks to the north. That it looks like there's um, your specs plat indicates there's notation that internal to the specs area, there's um, two proposed crosswalk additions. But I I know on the specs plat on sheet four and five, it's showing these crosswalks to the north. Um, up by the gas station and then to the Harris Teeter. Are those also proposed? Mm. There's the crosswalk that is across on the, on the north side is proposed and the one that is on site between the uh, sidewalk and the other. So I'm gonna yeah. play the role of oh. Commissioner Miller here. So this so, yeah. right this we're box, showing all this four. crosswalk box here right and then this crosswalk here those are proposed as well i think the one yes, with they are the one with the arrow see the specs limits box mm -hmm. and the arrow that there's no connecting sidewalk to that so i think that might be a um no there are at least on the specs plot it doesn't show a receiving one but it does show the connection on the east side i think he's talking about um, so those, the four crosswalks by the current arrows do not exist today. None um, of these exist. Those might be a today, part of a later right? phase. That's, well, that's part of the that's proposed yeah. as a part of the application. Okay. These are all okay. So confirming are. these are all proposed Correct. as part of the application. Yeah. yeah. In in confirming what Marshawn said, which is that the one crosswalk underneath the arrow is really a crosswalk to nowhere. Yeah. But we can take a look at that. So that you would only have crosswalks on the east side near the entrances right. and in front of the use. Yeah. Okay. And the north side. Yeah. And then the I would agree with Commissioner Miller in that the um, sort of the two lanes of the stacking would be preferable in that any backup um, to that that right in right out entrance mm -hmm. I think would impede all the other traffic that's coming in for Harris Teeter and 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 whatnot. So um, that that could really I think exponentially increase your your backup um, up that. Um, that turn lane. Um, the the traffic count. So the traffic study is showing a reduction in PM peak hours relative to the bank. Yes, it is. And I'll let I'll let our traffic consultant talk to that. Thanks for the record, Kevin Sitzman with Grove Slade. Um, compared to the. Uh, bank with drive-through that was uh, referenced as, as being previously considered for this parcel, um, the morning peak hour, the, the one peak hour in the AM, um, would the 
restaurant would generate more trips than the bank, but for the uh, PM and the Saturday midday peak, uh, the bank would generate more than the restaurant. So it would it would be a net reduction um, during the dinner uh, hour. Yes, that sounds kind of yes. Mostly restaurant baffling. Yeah, a lot of people find that that uh, surprising. But the um, the typical fast food restaurant with drive through generates more during the breakfast hour compressed time frame, but um, then it for a one hour period than it does during the dinner hour. But if you think about the use of a fast food restaurant, typically there's a lot of off-peak time, right? So you could go there at 8 o'clock at night and see just as many people um, getting their food as you would at 6 o'clock. Um, but during the, during the a.m., during the, the breakfast rush, it's a much more compressed time. So it's just to expound on that logic a little bit, right? Everybody has to get to work at the same time school starts so that morning a.m. rush hour that morning rush to get breakfast that's a very limited window in the p.m. people have different schedules and the reason why it's more than the bank is because the bank closes at five so everybody has to rush to get the bank and that's 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 accounted for in that kind of peak hour trip in terms of people getting there before the bank closes generates that more trips in that last hour which happens to be the peak hour in the p.m. compared to the p.m. peak hour for the drive-through restaurant and those numbers are based on surveys of existing sites throughout the country. Okay, and and Marie, if you're still on the on the line, that's a rationale that DTCI is is embracing. That's right, Commissioner okay. Combs. Thank you. Just because I'm curious now, what are the AM peak and PM peak hours in this instance? Have a slide for it. You can go back so to the slide. for the for the trip generation, the the way that we do that as an industry, there's uh, the Institute of Transportation Engineers publishes a very large manual with thousands and thousands of uh, trip counts that are then uh, consolidated into various land uses. Uh, for for this particular case, the the restaurant with uh, with drive through, the way that that those are collected is in the morning peak hour. Um, the, uh, we, we count in 15-minute periods, and then the highest four consecutive 15-minute periods between 7 and 9 a.m., mm -hmm. and then the highest four consecutive 15-minute periods between 4 and 6 p.m., and then uh, I believe it's 11 and 1 uh, on Saturday. And so the, um, the use itself could generate say um, the it's it's peak a little bit earlier than the commuter peaks on the road but to be conservative we just assume that all of the peaks overlap each other a hundred percent so the the morning peak hour is is one hour between seven and nine um, and um, that that may or may not again uh, exactly correlate with what happens on for instance Belmont Ridge Road but we just assume that it does to, to make a worst case scenario. Mm -hmm. Okay. Could I, can I add a, just a Go ahead, comment? Commissioner Miller. The only comment I would add is um, the AM, PM, the drive-through, all that stuff is great, except it goes back to my original question of we don't know what's going to be here, mm -hmm. and this is going to be a drive-through ice cream store, in which case the AM count will be zero. Because they won't open until eleven. So that's the that's the nature of that's why 
this should be drive through this size building, this many cars in the queue. What it ends up being, hopefully at that time, we'll work with um, transportation. If not, then they gotta go find somebody else. Just to, as a consideration. Commissioner Kirchner. Yeah, I just have a follow-up to that on these studies. Um, are they recent within this year? I mean, because I think people's driving patterns have changed significantly pre-pandemic, pandemic, and even now with the remote work. I mean, how, how do you guys adjust for that? Or, I mean, you know, forecasting that seems like it'd be awfully tricky right now. It, it, it is an interesting time to be trying to um, make these forecasts. So the Institute of Transportation Engineers um, has collected data since, since the 1960s on, on various land uses. Um, for a long time, we kept in every data point that we ever surveyed. Um, and then uh, more recently, with varying trends, um, you know, the, the uh, complete change in how people bank, for instance. Mm -hmm. um, we as an industry went through and threw out all of the data from the 70s when people banked completely differently than, than they do now. Um, there hasn't been enough time to collect a whole bunch of new surveys for um, for drive-through restaurants, especially, mm -hmm. um, and other most pandemic-related changes, um, you know those those uses that have changed completely since uh, since the pandemic. Um, the the newest 11th edition um, trip generation manual has again gone through and called out those those various, I'll say, less relevant data points. That are um, older, that are that are outlying, and so the the data that we have is the is the newest available, um, and it does reflect the trends, um, but it it does include pre-pandemic surveys. It seems to me that more people are at home now, and more people are going out and going to fast food restaurants. That's correct. Because they're not, you know, confined in their office like they correct. Used. And one of and one of the trends of that is that. People do their travel. They they have more flexibility to do their travel at less defined times, which tends to spread out the hmm. um, the use of uh, you know the the trip making times uh, to to other times beyond the peak hour. Right. Um, so less less impact during the one hour, and then more spread out during during the rest of the day. Okay. Thank you. Okay, I'm, I'm going to continue on that line of thinking here with my time. Um, have you guys looked at any kind of traffic calming, speed hump bumps, signage, anything in this area? We have, oh, am I? No, I'm on. We have not looked at speed humps, bumps, anything like that within the center. Yeah. Um, one thing that we have um, considered are wayfinding signs okay. um, to direct traffic um, so that when you exit um, the site, you would take a, if you're looking at the, the screen, take a left, go to the first inter intersection, which is Creekview, you can take a left and um, go down Creek View and intersect with Sicklin. Take another left to go to mm -hmm. uh, go to Belmont Ridge Road, or you can go straight over to Naismith. Take a left, go to Naismith um, intersection with Sicklin, 
and go east, or I'm sorry, west at the, at the light at that location, or you can go right at that location too to go back into the residential community. So yes, we have looked at um, putting up some um, directional signage within the center uh, to direct people around within the center. Um, one thing that I wanna um, just, you know, again, getting to the peak hour of, you know, trips in and out of the of, uh, uh, use like this, uh, we, yeah, we would not wanna limit uh, necessarily the afternoon directional as much as the morning, because the morning is when uh, at least our traffic uh, studies indicate our higher trip generation areas. Harris Teeter, for example,'s higher trip generation is in the evening, is in the late afternoon and evening and when people come into that. So we would like not want to, you know, send a lot of traffic down in front of Harris Teeter in the mm -hmm. afternoon, but in the morning can certainly do that and incorporate some wayfinding um, and directional signage. Uh, well, I think, I think that's an important point to point out is that this is so far removed from being an anchor tenant, right? So the operational nature of this site needs to jive and concur with the rest of the shopping center or it doesn't work. And that's the benefit of having one shopping center owner for the entire shopping center is that they can, you know, take a year by year look on is this working for us or not? And, and the, any negative impacts from this site, if they are having negative impacts on, say, the Harris Teeter or the community as a whole, right, they have the ability to, to control that. And I would just say also from a traffic calming perspective that the shopping center has the benefit of having quite a few like always stops throughout the shopping center, including one right there on the on the corner um, outside of the, the right turn lane coming in, um, which frankly, as a you know frequent user of this site over five years, uh, surprisingly not very many users of that right turn lane uh, coming in. So perhaps this uh, drive-through restaurant will uh, spark some users of that. But um, it's pretty calm traffic-wise throughout the shopping center. I've walked many times from my condo to the Walgreens and other places, and, and have never not felt safe uh, walking in the shopping center. Have you done it at night? I have actually, and it's actually very uh, well lit, both from our neighborhood has some very nice street lighting um, and the shopping center as well. Um, and on, you know, when the weather's not too terrible, it's actually quite a nice walk, um, you know, to Harris Teeter and get a, get a late night snack or something like that, yeah. Well, I mean, this is, uh, this is one of my two least favorite shopping centers to drive my car in, quite honestly. I'm in it multiple times a week. So um, it, it is uh, in the evenings, because you have a lot of residents and uh, restaurants and evening uses, and then you said the Harris Teeter peak is later in the day, the lot fills to where the restaurants are overflowing into the Walgreens, there's people walking through the bushes, they're with children, they're walking in the dark, I don't think it's really well lit over there. You go to the other corner of the shopping center and people are spilling out, but they have more room over there because they've got a bigger open space. This area, is very worrisome and and you know you come in off of the county is marie still with us it sounds like i've asked if she's passed away um <laughs> if marie's still on the line you know I, the county in the last 24 months undertook reconfiguring the two left lanes that go northbound on belmont to make a go westbound on Sicklin to make that turn and they had to realign the parking spots on both sides of Sicklin road 
and the turn lanes because it wasn't functioning and traffic backed up every night at the light. In fact, the worst time it backed up was when I was coming here because that's I would take Sicklin to come here. So roughly 5 p.m. Um, and it is better now, but there is no room for more backup without you being in the intersection of Belmont Ridge Road trying to make a left onto Sicklin. We back up double wide now because there's a light and then another light. They're pretty close. And you've got people parking on that road that are coming in and out, picking their kid up from the Taekwondo place and because there's a second level below. So, I mean, what prompted the county to undertake all of that left turn lane and, and then the work on Sicklin Road? I would need to look into that further for you, Chair Frank. All right, I, I did spring that on you. I would just argue that it, we've already got a dysfunctional problem. When you come in off that entrance at Sicklin Road, you go up, the grade takes you up. Um, there is a four-way stop there. There is also a lot of landscaping, and I would argue that if you are not in a very tall SUV, you can't see all directions because of the way it's configured. I know we love these parking lots because it's traffic calming, right? They're not straight lines. They kind of bend this way, and it makes people slow down. It's also sometimes really hard to see around and guess what the people are going to do. The fact that everyone is going to have to come out there or at the light um, on the end of the other end, I don't know what that little street is called, um, and, and that a majority of people are going to come in that way, it, it's worrisome. Um, so I, 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 we've gotta, I'd like to know why we already had to fix the road um, before we put more traffic on it. Honestly. Madam Chair, if I could. Mm -hmm. um, the left turn lane that you're talking about mm -hmm. was a proffered improvement by Goose Creek Village. Okay. Um, and the developer for this project uh, was the constru constructed that left turn lane. That okay. was a part of the Goose Creek Village East um, proffer package. Mm -hmm. um, most everything you see in the vicinity of this property on um, Belmont Ridge Road, Sickleton Road, um, are are improvements that have been made with Goose Creek Village. Mm -hmm. And that's when that um, okay. second left turn lane was added. It was added as part of the Goose Creek Village East application. As was the traffic light at Naismith and Sicklin that now exists that mm -hmm. you know wasn't there when I was living there, um, but is a, a really nice addition, um, especially for folks trying to get across the street to the daycare, which um, my daughter attended when I was there and we had to you know, we, we crossed the street. We actually went up to the mid-block crossing to cross the crosswalk there when we were living there because there wasn't a light. But now that there is, I assume that's a m much better option. Yeah, I'm just concerned that even with those improvements, the, the road network right on that corner is, is barely holding up. And we're adding, Van Meter's got a whole bunch under construction just to the west, walking distance down Sicklin Road from this. So we are going to have more pedestrians and more cars and widening Sicklin Road is a long way from happening thanks to a bridge. So, um, you know, we've, we've had that discussion with other developments that weren't going to widen the road. So I'm just, yeah, I, I, I mm, okay. All right. I don't have any more questions, so I'll stop. Anybody else? Okay, we don't have anybody signed up in advance. I'm going to go ahead and open the public hearing. Is there anyone in the room who'd like to speak on this item? If you go ahead and come forward, tell us your name, and then fill out a speaker slip to your right before you leave. Oh. You can speak first, and then... 
you don't want us all watching you writing. <laughs> <laughs> Good evening. Um, my name is Azadeh Julia Tavasoli. I'm the founder and owner of Easy Day Yoga at Goose Creek Village, and I'm here to support this project. Uh, I am one of the luckiest uh, um, tenants of this uh, of Goose Creek. Um, the amount of support that we always got from our landlord has been just tremendous, and that's why I'm here tonight to support this because uh, once uh, when uh, COVID hit. We were hit hard, uh, especially my yoga studio, uh, and um, uh, they did everything to help us. And I think this project also helps all those little, uh, the small uh, businesses to get back on their feet because it brings more uh, traffic to Goose Creek Village. So I'm here in support of the project and also because I I uh, really think that uh, Goose Creek Village is an amazing um, uh, place for any tenant to come and start a business. Thank, Thank you. you. Have a good night. Thanks. There's nobody else in the room, so I'm going to take that as there's no one else present to speak. Do we have anyone online to speak? We have no one online to speak. Okay. Thank you. Uh, We've run out of people, so I'll go ahead and close the public hearing on this item. We are in the Ashburn District. Do we have a motion? I do, Madam Chair. I move that the Planning Commission forward uh, Legi 2023-0067 Goose Creek Retail LLC uh, specs 2023-0011 to a future Planning Commission work session. Second. Motion is made by Vice Chair Combs, seconded by Chair Frank. Do you have an opening? Um, I, I do. I want to um, I want to see this use put in the plaza. I want I want the shopping center to succeed. I want more traffic there. I want all the, the things to happen. I'm concerned about the traffic um, and the pedestrian safety. Um, we've heard from residents who have concerns about existing conditions. And my fear is that we're compounding the problem without adequately addressing what some of those concerns are. Um, I'm happy to see that the, the crosswalks are, um, are part of the, um, the specs plat. Um, I have some concerns about the, the speed of the traffic cutting across in front of the Harris Teeter. I'm wondering if we can't calm that in some way. Um, I know also if you were to exit this site, head south, um, cross over the the, um, the Walgreens. I know there's a there's I think a two-way stop there. Um, that's totally obscured by landscaping, almost impossible to see at night. I feel like that's going to be a real problem, uh, particularly um, as we're going to add more traffic in there. Um, and it for me, it really it's just about the way that the people in the cars are moving. And if we can just spend a little bit of time to improve that, that's what I want to do. Um, and I hope everyone would support it. Commissioner Miller. Um, we always talk about we need more trees and plantings and all kinds of stuff and to make every project look better and nicer and greater and, and cooler. Um, but sometimes you're right. Sometimes landscaping gets in the way visually, especially from commercial areas. Um, something to think about as we, well, apologies, but sometimes. <laughs> sometimes, I don't know, I say, some, sometimes the tree, sometimes the tree gets. <laughs> Sometimes the tree gets to be too big and you can't see things. So some, that's something to take into consideration, um, perhaps. 
Um, uh, this is a, I, I'm happy with this use here. If we want to go to work session, discuss other changes, make it better, that's fine. Um, this has largely been a very successful shopping plaza, and I think some of the parking challenges, especially in that, that corridor between um, uh, Walgreens and Parandos there, it's, there's no parking, there's not enough parking. And Lord, Lord knows the two of us love parking. Um, <laughs> but it's a, um, it is a, is a tough area, but sometimes it's just a testament to the success of a, uh, a retail plaza. Um, the entire project um, from its conception, gosh, it's gotta be um, when Lori Waters was a supervisor for the district. So that goes back <laughs> 16 years, I guess, um, 12 years. Uh, this project has, has been great then, it's been great now, and um, I think this is another opportunity to add to it. And I think um, also the parking issue, I, and I, I can appreciate it, and I think the traffic, but if I'm not mistaken, um, that would be the last pad, um, which has great parking, but that's gonna create whatever goes there, which there's, there's a approved use building there now, Wherever may end up being, um, that one day if it grows and develops, then it's going to bring more traffic, and in some ways that's good. Um, so, uh, but yeah, any, anything that the folks want to discuss at a work session, I'm happy to entertain. But I think overall, um, it's a great use in a 2,400 square feet. You're not; it's not going to be Chick Fil A. Mm -hmm. um, it's not going to be Bojangles. It's going to be a small user, and and that probably won't back up the traffic um, through the into the. Um, onto Creekview, um, and it'll be a nice addition for an ice cream parlor or whatever it may be, a hamburger joint, whatever. Um, and I look forward to adding one more business to the tax rolls in Loudoun County. Mr. Merrithew. Yes, thank you. I understand the concern about traffic, and if I understand the map properly, if I'm driving south on Belmont Ridge Road, happily getting on the Greenway, I've got to go all the way over to Naismith across the front of Ferris Teeter to get to the light and turn left on Sicklin Road. That's the only way to head south after I get my donut and coffee. Correct. So I, I'm concerned about just the, the traffic pattern in general, but is that something that can be solved by this applicant on this site? I just, I don't know what we're going to be able to accomplish uh, unless we have the, the whole project ownership involved in, in the solution. Uh, it just seems that this site is probably not going to contribute more to the, much more to the problem, but uh, I'll support a motion to go to work session. I'm just not clear what, what this applicant can do for us. Thank you. Commissioner Barnes. Yes, yeah, same thing here. You know, it, the bank is already approved there, so if bank wants to come, they can come and operate there without anybody, without coming through us. Mm -hmm. So uh, if it's going to be better than bank and traffic-wise, or equal to the bank, like they're saying it will be, uh, so I, I think I was ready to vote on it tonight because if the bank can come down, this is just an automatic switch to, you know, mm -hmm. to change the bank, the restaurant. And uh, like Mr. Matthew said, she can't, they can't change, you know, the calming and all that. They can't do anything about that. Well, they own the whole center, but yeah. um, Marshawn, you look like you. So I just wanted to ask, so the feedback for work session, we heard the vetting of the dual lane option, uh, wayfinding, 
And then also questions about the menu boards. How would the signage work for a drive-through window? We can discuss that some sum up the commission's direction. And then uh, some traffic calming if available. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And traffic calming, pedestrian connectivity. Just I, I think we've got to look beyond just the tiny square we're looking at and come out a little bit wider in that development so we can see what's going on around it. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Um, Vice Chair Combs, you have a closing. Uh, no, I, I look forward to working with the applicant just to improve that, that flow of, of people and vehicles. Um, with that, I, I look forward to that use ripening and this plaza becoming more successful. Um, if folks would entertain that effort, I'd uh, be grateful. Thank you. Okay, we have a motion on the floor. All those in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? The motion carries 702 with Commissioners Moderetti and Hayes still absent. That is our final legislative item of the evening. Ms. Marsh, do we have any uh, administrative items? No, just a reminder that our work session is on November 8th. That is a Wednesday, and we will see the commission then. Thank you very much. We are. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yes. Mm -hmm. We are adjourned. <laughs>